Hello and welcome back to the Andyplex. This is episode two. I can say welcome back because we have a second one now. This is the second one. Now it's a real. But anyway, the Andyplex is a show where we dive deep into a particular film per episode and talk about a journey of an individual in the showbiz world, the brave souls that are riding the storm of showbiz. And we just we try to pick a film that is special and near and dear and uh, got the person either thinking about making film or really inspired them and just on their journey in the world of uh, show business. And uh, yeah, so here we are. Uh, this week I have a super special guest, a dear friend of mine. His name is Ryan Grassmeyer. Hello, Ryan. Hello! Thank you for uh, riding your e-bike through uh, what we call the wormhole, which is 4th Street from uh, Park La Brea, where you live, which is about, what, two and a half miles to me here in Koreatown? Oh, yeah, baby. The wormhole. And the whole time I just had the Terminator 2 theme song in my ear, just <laughs> on repeat. Just yes. rolling through. Yes, as you know, today's film will be a super special movie that everyone's seen um, because, you know, for good reason, it's amazing. And it really can't be more topical right now dealing with uh, apocalyptic themes here. It's uh, March 11th, and we are dealing with a pandemic, and it's really freaking everybody out. It's and, a panic-demic, uh, really. A panic-demic. So uh, Judgment Day, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, can't really be better timing. And uh, we'll dive more into the film after we watch it. Crack a Corona and uh, <laughs> drink drink a beer and listen to the cast. Exactly. It's the only way to do it. <laughs> Fight so anyway, um, you're uh, you're an in- industry professional. You're you're an actor and um, producer and locations manager. And I've actually been hired by you to do locations work. And um, <laughs> I, I think most people know what what acting's all about. And I really want to get into your, your journey as an actor. But uh, let's take a minute to explain locations. Man, location. How do you so, how do you explain it? <laughs> well, so the best way to explain it is, um, you know, when you're on uh, a movie set, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of teams working. You got your grips over here. You got your electric team doing a thing. You got, you know, you got your crafty setting up over here. You got your ads making everything happen. Assistant directors. Assistant ADs. directors. You've got they're uh, like the managers got, of the set. Your hair and makeup people on standby wardrobe. All these teams, right? Location department sort of deals with all the let's say, uh, comfortabilities that you have on set. So first of all, first and foremost, they find a place to film at. So they find the locations to film. They pull permits. They make deals with owners. They figure out all the logistics, do all kinds of scouts with uh, the department heads, uh, the producers and uh, and all these guys, and uh, to figure out how to do it. And then they hire a bunch of people like uh, cops and firemen and uh, trash and that make sure that there's a place for the toilets and you pay off all the neighbors because, oh, we parked a toilet in front of the neighbor's house and they do not <laughs> like that. It smells. Here's $500. Leave us alone. And they're like, whoa, okay, yeah, park a toilet here. It's great. So you're the, guy, you're the guy with the money just like making, <laughs> putting out fires with on the, the money. Day. Yeah, because when you're filming, a lot of the times there's you'll hear them call for locations and it's usually some logistical thing that's going on. You know, we're finding places for, you know, crew parking and, and, and catering and all these, but then you're going to hear locations, locations. Uh, what's up? Uh, we got a nosy neighbor over here and you got to go and try to get him out of the scene and, you know, be like, hi you're in the shot if you want to watch from over here that's fine or if sometimes they come out and just start playing a boombox and they know that they can get paid to shut it off and so they do that there's um, a there's a dance there's a game a delicate at dance. work here uh, people in la get it now i mean mm-hmm. we're you know, here like when you hear uh like you hear um some like a lawnmower go off and locations can you go uh, pay the the landscapers to shut that off and 
and we actually had a guy who was just pretending to be uh, a landscaper on one of our sets, and I paid him for nothing. Um, but anyway, Brilliant. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, all the all the comfortabilities that you get, and uh, just making sure that it all gets cleaned up and patched up in the end. Uh, so we're the first in, last out, and sort of the safety monitors and all kinds of stuff. But it's an interesting gig. <laughs> you got to be able to talk to all kinds of people. <laughs> it is a really interesting gig, and uh, we've recently you've brought me on. Thank you again for the for the work uh, on a couple of uh, TV projects. Um, let's see. Last year we did a, a show called Paradise City for Showtime. It was actually the re-reshoots, so they had to keep getting more. It's about the music kind of rock and roll underworld. Got to actually meet. Air. I don't know if that ever even hit the air. I don't know. Yeah, it's supposed to be on Showtime. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's going to at this point. I mean, they're <laughs> obviously the studio is committed to. Uh, that was a real fun project. Got to meet some. Um, got to meet some real characters. Randy Blythe, who's the lead singer of Lamb of God, one of my favorite metal bands. Uh, <laughs> Sid Wilson, the uh, DJ scratcher for uh, Slipknot. They were just hanging out one day. They were in a scene together, and I was like, oh, my God. And I rarely get starstruck anymore. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, "That's I can't even look at them. Oh, my God. So that I, was I knew fun. that was going to be a big deal for Andy if I got to bring him around. I was yeah. like, hey, you want to work on this gig? Also, some of your heroes are here. It could be fun. A lot of metal. I'm a big metal <laughs> metalhead, for those of you that don't know that about me. A lot of people don't know that about me. They think I just listen to classical and I knit and I just sit in a rocking chair all day but I actually I do enjoy the high octane rock and roll and metal your neighbors all know you listen to metal <laughs> they all they're very aware about your metal tendencies thank you neighbors uh, for <laughs> tolerating me and not to mention all the blasting of movies we do and you know thanks to a, a great sound system but yeah so and then we did uh, what was it party of five we did some party of five did the new party one of five promo yeah and yeah. I saw the billboard up and I was like wow we did that we yeah. filmed that we shot that that was great and you just got to see the work on a billboard even S- yeah so cool <laughs> and uh, another one called single parents which is uh, in its second season now or just just wrapped right you guys just, just wrapped, wrapped up second season uh, yeah hopefully we'll come back for a third it's a real fun sitcom on ABC sort of modern family esque um, just yeah. a real fun wholesome show Brad Garrett from uh, from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Brad Garrett. Sharkbait. Yeah. Ooh-ha-ha. Ha. He's yeah. the best. You got to hang out with him a few times, right? He's amazing. I actually worked with him on a show called Tell Death years ago, and I played one of his buddies in a scene where we're, we're a Phillies uh, baseball scene, and they wanted me to chug a beer. And uh, so I chugged a nice. beer in the scene. I'm kind of an obnoxious fan. And they come back and they refill it, and I'm like, hmm, that didn't taste like near beer. Uh, for those out there that don't realize it, you're not allowed to drink alcohol or, or beer on, on, on set anymore. Uh, after Cheers, Cheers was the last show that actually had real beer on it. They would sit there and cash the kegs out because there wasn't keg raiders for them, so the crew would drink all the beer. And somebody got in an accident on the way home, and insurance got involved. So now it's all just like O'Doul's near beer. But this wasn't. I, I, I drank it, and then he, he refilled it. We did another take, chugged another one. I was like, okay, here we go. Did two more takes. And I uh, they cut, and I was like, and they were like, that's a wrap. And I had to go sit in my car for about uh, two hours uh, before They were like, I can felt, somebody give me a ride? I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go just <laughs> take a nap. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway. That's fun. What a good, what a good story. Well, yeah, so um, you're very active in uh, locations and um, – yeah, I think it's really, I've gotten to see you work, and he's he's great at it, folks. And yeah, you just have to really think on your feet, and you ha- you interact a lot with the community or where you're at. So, you know, a lot of times when you're filming something in film or TV, you're on stage. It's called, are we on the stages or are we on location? So you're on the stages, you're a bit more protected, you're kind of, you're in your own little world. But when you're out in the field, when you're in locate, when you're on location, 
I mean, you never know what's going to fly at you or what's going to come always, at you. Always some crazy neighbor who comes out going, I don't want this anywhere yeah. close to my house. And you're like, okay, I'm sorry. What, what do you do for a living? I, I work in production. I, I, do, <laughs> I make I make films for a living, but I don't want it anywhere close to my house. And you're like, well, you do realize you live in Los Angeles. And yeah. uh, if you want to go to North Dakota or something or Idaho, maybe you won't get bugged as much. So uh, leave. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you live in LA, man. You should be used to this. Well, we also do a uh, sci-fi comedy podcast together called Last Best Hope that'll be coming out soon. Super yes. fun. Yeah, um, that is really fun. We did some last year, and uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's basically kind of Star Trek. Um, has a very serial, you know, over the top, uh, old school element to it. Very cheesy, but lovable and fun and man it's it's such a fun time just a couple weeks ago we did five episodes at once oh my god uh at a studio in burbank and i got to play the ship's computer d-o-u-g doug and he's a lot of fun and uh he gets a lot of laughs because he has kind of a, a binary duality to him where he's like captain whatever you like i'll be happy to get right on that right now <laughs> and he like spazzes out so you make cooper laugh so hard every time it's funny <laughs> yeah we have cooper barnes who is a, a friend of uh, ryan's from henry danger and um let's get let's talk about that actually you're you're uh stupid jeff on henry danger a nickelodeon show that Broke the record for longest-running live-action kids show. Five, was it five seasons? Yeah, fifth season's sort of two seasons. So we're calling it a sixth season, but yeah. it's just like you know, 119 episodes, and and we yeah, that's we, so many. It's the it's that's the, incredible. We get the highest ratings. It's so it's such a surreal moment because I'm also dubbed in all these weird like 40 languages, and I was across seas last summer, and I got to see myself in sort of like Dutch, which was really funny. Yeah, and I was like, man, I could do a better Dutch. Stupid Jeff, just give me the script. Yeah. And now you're, now you're an action figure? It's been... Talk uh, about, how does that I mean, feel? This has been sort of surreal. So, uh, you know, I, I booked this thing. Uh, Dan Schneider, who created, like, all that, Keenan and Kel, a lot of the Nickelodeon shows that sort of we grew up with. And then, subsequently, the ones that um, followed, like, Zoe 101, Sam and Cat, Josh and Drake, all these shows he created. And this was his superhero show. And I somehow um, fell you know, right back, fell backwards into this role, like, right away, and they they loved me, they just kept bringing me back, so... Uh, so you moved to L.A. in, uh, about, ten, about 10 years ago? Yeah, it? about 10 years ago. Um, and, and you more or less got that, what, no, seven I years mean, ago or something? No, this was, no, this was probably, yeah, it's about seven years ago. Okay. When I first moved here, I mean, I'm classically trained, which is pretty funny, I went to... Uh, University of uh, Northern Colorado and got yeah, you're from trained. you're from Boulder right from Boulder originally yeah. Boulder Colorado represents such a beautiful place um, but yeah we really uh, we were trained in you know sort of method acting uh, Stanislavski and we did a lot of classical Chekhov Ibsen Shaw things like this and then you get to LA and they're like all right uh, take your shirt off and dance around <laughs> fatty and you're just like oh, okay <laughs> so you, you realize that you know some of the training sort of goes uh, by while you're starting out until you can sort of establish yourself. <laughs> Then I got really lucky, and, and now uh, as Jeff, I can go into some layers. They've given me a family and a last name. He's now Jeff Bilski, uh, and uh, we got a spinoff because Henry Danger just wrapped up, so now we're doing uh, Danger Force. So yeah. stay tuned. If you've got any uh, kids or nephews, nieces out there that are anyway like 8 to 15 years old, they might know who stupid Jeff is. And um, yeah, he's smart in real life, okay? Honestly, the, I, know that, I know your demographic is more for kids. Um, I've gotten to see a, a few episodes front to back. And it's so funny, and I, I love it. I, I think it's great. I actually have been meaning to comb through it. Um, maybe when Star Trek Picard wraps up, I have some more time <laughs> on my hands. But, uh, you know, I you basically had a whole episode um, where your family invades um, 
I'm sorry, what's the kids? The Henry Danger. Henry <laughs> you, Hart, you yeah, kind of just house. show up at the house, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And that episode was uh, was tremendous, and you were really the lead of that episode. I man. mean, I've never got the opportunity so to, cool. to really have the opportunity to be a film actor like that before, and it was frightening because I really yeah. wasn't prepared to have that. And, and it felt good. You're to like, sort this, of, is, this, is, this is my episode. Well, I mean, you know, when you're really in a moment, you sort of black out as an actor. You just sort of, you're, you're, right. you're, you're really in it. And it's what happens on stage a lot because you're just in the moment. You walk off stage and you sort You of, are stupid Jeff. And you sort of walk off stage and you go, um, did I say words out there? Is, is everything yeah. okay? Did, like, did, did I do, did did I do, I do the thing? <laughs> and for the first time, because you're surrounded by people, it's not stage acting. It's film acting. You're surrounded by all these people. There's many takes. There's a lot of moving parts going on. Uh, it's just, and there's a lot of light on all those people. You can see everyone. It's not like a, an audience that's dark. But um, it, I finally got to a point where I actually uh, reached that level, and I felt like I sort of, you know, achieved and unlocked myself as an actor a little bit because I'm I'm an yeah. over actor, kid actor kind of guy. But it gave me the opportunity to like get some fun layers in there that I didn't think I could, you know, really get to, and, and they worked well. So I was, yeah. I was proud of that moment. I mean, obviously, you know. He, you're, de- you're dealing with a kind of larger-than-life show. It's like about a superhero and a kid, a team-up. And, you know, the ensemble of all these fun characters are, are definitely larger-than-life, and Stupid Jeff is no exception. But the ability to breathe that kind of humanity into it, I think, A, makes it funnier. So yeah. it's not just... You're not just a clown, you know? I mean, there's definitely those elements of the physicality and... Um, Playing the joke is like what people do when they're trying to do improv all the time to try to get these laughs. Playing yeah. honesty always is funnier. Playing honesty exactly. will get the jokes, you right. know. But you just have to be honest, and and it's. I think it took me a long time to figure that out as an actor, and yeah, and it's it's been it's been a really fun journey. So I can't wait to see where it goes. But yeah, got another episode still, in about still a month. Going. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I mean, a to get on a show that that keeps coming back season after season is extremely rare. Yeah, um, that doesn't happen often most shows are a canceled and b don't get more than what a season or two if they do continue on um so to be in a show that has literally broken the record and then to get a spin-off of that show <laughs> it's it's a I surreal mean, thing i mean honestly like so I, cool. I don't think it's gonna sink in for like another 10 years and i'll be like yeah like, oh my God. you were on nickelodeon man and the weirdest part about it is it's in studio uh, studio 11 of burbank studios and my father's a country musician he he played uh it's where um jay leno used to um actually have their show and he played there in 1994 or 5 with his group larry white uh, he's a backup singer, bass player. We watched some of the music videos here the other day. Yeah, it's awesome. And and and, and somehow the universe, uh, because I didn't want to be a musician, and I went into the acting room and you know sort of did my own thing. The universe shoved me into the exact same space that he performed on when That's he came so out. Cool, here. Man. I just think it's a really fun cyclical thing, and and I'll never get over how trippy that part is. About yeah, and carrying on the tradition of you know showbiz performing. Yeah, exactly. I was like, know. this is funny. I like cyclical things. It makes me happy. Cyclical baby. Just like Terminator. Just like, oh yeah, we're, we're also here for Terminator. Yeah. Well, we'll touch more on that soon. But so, you know, in regards to your, your journey into the business and, you know, you studied in college, um, was there a moment where, you know, was there like a genesis kind of point or moment where you're like, I want to be an actor or I want to be in film or I want to be in showbiz? Or was it kind of more of a gradual, like, what are your interests? Okay, I got to go to college <laughs> now. I got you know, to start thinking about what I really want to do or, you know. Your origin story, per se. I mean, so I did a lot of school plays, and I remember when we were younger, we would get asked by our teachers, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember saying actor at a very young age, Mm -hmm. and then like a lot of other people saying actor as well, because they just thought it was going to be fun or something. But I remember saying it like with seriousness, like like, conviction, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. And then, you know, we kept doing plays, and I was playing little bit parts here and there, and then I finally booked the role of Renfield in uh, Dracula. 
and uh, oh. which is like you know that's like Dracula's little you know his his little slave that's yeah. that feasts on bugs and spiders because those yeah. are his souls that he gets to eat. And Dracula, master, 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 and yeah. I was just—I had so much fun with this role. I was—I was doing all this side stuff that the director didn't stop me from doing because it was funny. But I was still in focus for the whole show. And then my buddy Jaron also wanted this role very, very much. We fought over it, and the, he was forced to play Dracula. And he's like, "Oh, God, play Dracula." <laughs> it's funny that the, you know that you would rather not have the titular. Like title character, exactly. Right? It would be like the fun, uh, you know. Because Renfield's so fun. De- De- uh, Dracula, Dead and Loving It by Mel Brooks had just come out. I think like a oh, year. Oh man, it's before. like ninety five. So I, I think yeah. we were just like riding that wave, and I really stole a lot of my choices from Peter McNichol because he's he did such a great job with his Renfield in that film that I yeah. just like took a lot of his things and then kind of made it my own. But anyway, that's where I really got bit, and then I just have been pursuing it, and I sort of didn't do a lot of it. In so you got bit. By I Dracula. It's by Dracula. <laughs> what a great story. But there was a moment in college, I, so I like, you sort of brushed through, there was too many goths in our, uh, like sort of weird kids in our in our theater school and in high school that I didn't, I was, I was turned off by it. But then in college, I took an acting course and had a teacher named Janet Scarponi who um, has an amazing story herself. She like dated uh, John Belushi and has some really insane stories about that, but she pulled us aside and gave us each, you know, notes about the art and scene work at the end of the, uh, at the end of the year. And she just spent way too much time with me for like 20, 30 minutes being like, you got to do this. Like, you know, it's really something that I, I can see it in people. And, yeah. and she inspired me. So Janice Harpone, it was uh, a teacher named Kareem Watson. Kareem Watson was my middle school teacher. It was Janice Harpone. And then uh, Tracy Salter was my uh, college professor who just was the most fun person and like lit another fire up under my behind so that I could, um, just keep going because sometimes you doubt yourself. You you know you yeah you, you you miss out on a lot of auditions or you don't book things and you start losing confidence and you just forget that like if you just keep you know if you just keep doing it and, and you don't get in your head too much. It, casting has nothing to do with the actor really. It's usually the people that are casting it. Sometimes you can give the best performance ever and it just doesn't matter. Um, because yeah. the people that are casting it have their own idea of things. Um, yeah, what they want might not be your brand or your, yeah. your thing, you know. So, no, and it is it is a tough world, a world I dip into. And when I grow up, I want to be an actor as well. Uh, once that happens, um, hopefully. What, you're I'll... A, what? Come on, Andy, <laughs> go watch Living Alone right now. From oh, no Brown Comedy, Living Alone, Living Alone, Living Alone. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, YouTube channel called No Brow. Actually, while we're while we're on it. Uh, our last thing is called Hot Dogs, and it's an animated project. Uh, my partner, Neil, Neil Groshan, is now animating stuff, and he draws it on a little pad, puts it into Photoshop, edits the photo, drops it into Premiere, edits that. They're really coming along. Um, and Ryan got to be the hot dog, and the last one, a very Frankenstein, we, uh, we have what's called a lightning fryer, just like an air fryer, but it uses <laughs> lightning. So we're on the roof, very Frankenstein. And, uh, you know, Neil plays the kind of... Uh, you know, Igor kind of character, master, and speaking of kind of the, you know, the Renfield sidekick. Um, and uh, and then we create life from non-life, and we have to take responsibility for that because we create this hot dog who can sing and dance and talk, and it's Ryan. Hey, I'm Frank Furter, the talking hot dog. Frank and Furter. Frank and Furter, and uh, he's a sentient hot dog. He's got lots of dreams, you know. He can finally get that doctorate and fall in love. So you should check it out. Wait, is it Frankfurter or Frankenfurter? Frankenfurter. It's Frank N. Furter. It's, right. His first name is Frank, middle initial N, last name Furter. <laughs> you, got the brief, you got the briefcase. <laughs> anyway, YouTube, uh, No Brow Hot Dogs, and then you can check out No Brow Living Alone, which is our first one. 
uh, where I play a guy who lives by himself. We turn into a horror movie. The next one is very inspired by Terminator 2, though. I can't wait for the next one to come out. Oh, my God. Yes, there is a Terminator 2 uh, reference. Neil's uh, granddad, will, 91-year-old granddad, lives in, lives in Arizona. Neil just drove out there last week and, and got him to record, and I can't wait. We'll talk more about that soon, but, yeah, we're, we're doing stuff. And you have to just kind of keep doing your own thing, and case in point, this show. Uh, and it's important to just remember that you are enough. And I had an acting teacher named Laura Cunningham and, and Albuquerque, um, uh, nod to her. She was like, you are enough. Don't try to be somebody else. I mean, when you're an actor, you're like, oh, I, gotta, I can be anybody. You're a chameleon. But at the end of the day, you have to be you underneath and really just trust that you're, you're the strength. You know, you are enough. So do you, do you right, and put you wherever you want to put them. He or she, but you know, I thought that was really powerful and that really resonated with what you just said about you know what your teacher said too. Like, just remember that you you got the goods, kid. Mm-hmm. And it can get really lonely and really sad out here uh, sometimes when you feel like you're not really resonating or getting any feedback. So it's important to just remember that you love it and that you need it and that it's what you want. Stay hungry. And yeah, stay you're hungry. En- you're enough. You know, that's why uh, it's typecasting when I got uh, Stupid Jeff because I'm a really crappy criminal. In real life, so, and I'm... Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, you moved to L.A., what about, you said about 10 years ago? Yeah, 10 years ago. Cool. Was it it kind of a, was it love at first bite, or was it, uh, (laughs) were you kind of freaked out at first? I had a lot of fun. I I moved out here and immediately moved into a one-bedroom apartment with three other people and a dog, and I was living Mm -hmm. on an air mattress. I went down to Central Casting, which is the background uh, casting company that casts all the people that walk around in the background there. I think like the second day I was here, and I and I booked My Name is Earl like that day. I just called the line a million times and booked it. And they're like, yeah, you got a good Walmart look. Let's throw you into this show. I showed up on set for My Name is Earl the next day. So I'm in Los Angeles for several days, just like two days now. I'm already on a big set. And my eyeballs are bigger than my head. I'm just staring at stuff. And there's an wow. AD that walks up and goes... Are you uh, new to the business? And I was like, Yeah, this is amazing. Assistant director, again, yeah, for assistant the, director. Uh, the and she was, people. and she was like, Let me, uh, let me uh, show you around. And so she's like, First of all, they're, they're filming out here. They're doing a, they're doing like a supermarket scene. They're putting a camera up on a stick there. They're gonna put it in black and white. That's how they do a security camera shot. So it's gonna look like it's a security camera up there. There's a techno crane. That's a big crane that you put a camera on. You put weights on the other side, and you can sort of lift the camera up, and it does this big floaty thing. You see it right. in like you know Back to the Future in the, the street and like a million movies. Yeah, like big, intro shots too. Yeah, just like this, yeah, this, or, yeah. Anytime there's like a big, huge, you know, panning out. It's, it's a giant crane. So I was just mind blown. And then she stuck me in like featured background so like they come around they come down with the camera and you can see me in the episode you see my stupid face in the background in this church scene and i had a really fun interaction with jason lee and ethan supley like just randomly and it sort of killed my starstruckness right away because they treated me like i was a peer and not like just some a-hole and uh and it, it just really was a great introduction you know like i, I couldn't have been more psyched and then it wasn't more than about a month and a half that i booked a reality show that i starred in called Living Loud that only aired on MTV Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Brazil, places like that, uh, which basically was just me getting uh, my butt kicked by extreme sports personalities because they thought it was funny to have like a Farley type loud fat guy just getting his butt kicked in like pro wrestling and surfing and 
and you know dirt bikes and all these things. Uh, if you can find Living Loud, I've never really even seen episodes of it. But if you're oh, listening, man, to I was this just in gonna Canada, say you gotta, you gotta dig that up, man. I, I, I gotta think see the that. Co-stars have it on their computers, but uh, I'd have to like go to Colorado and find that. Um, but anyway, we should find that Living Loud and watch it because that's cool. young. That's young grassy there, uh, unhinged. Uh, and then you know from then I just you know have been hustling and really it comes down to being creative making your own stuff like we're doing here today yeah um, totally yeah i can't recommend it enough and, you know and it was like i remember like when i was young i i was obsessed with films but terminator 2 when i it was the first vhs i ever i ever got yeah and and i broke it eventually and had to get another one because you I wore it out right? i wore it out you watched it five million times from school and i'd put it on while i was doing homework because it helped calm my brain for some reason <laughs> terminator 2 was the white noise that helped me just get into the and then i was also enjoying my favorite movie you know at the time yeah. so it was it was perfect but um well well to kind of piggyback off that comment real quick i don't want to kill your origin story but there, you know, we'll talk about Terminator 2 more soon when we watch it, but there is a calming kind of simplicity to it where the stakes are so high and so clear. There's a clearness to that movie. If we don't, if we don't stop this Terminator from killing John Connor, then the future's done. Yeah. So it's just like the stakes could not be higher and, and clearer. You know, so I think there is this kind of charm to the, just the, A, the, the high stakes of it, but also it's funny that you kind of, you know, that was calming to you because, you know, it can be stressful. Like this guy's chasing you. And if, you know, it's really one long chase sequence. I mean, I've got um, dad issues and I feel like there's a, there's a thing that goes along <laughs> with having your own pet Terminator, you know, that you can yeah. just be like, Hey, you know, right. You, you know, like punch that guy, do this. There's like, it's, it's a story about invincibility in a weird sense where mm-hmm. you're like sort of, um, you, you don't have to worry about it cause you have this like ultimate bodyguard type deal. Right. But then T-1000, who is basically just playing death, uh, and death is coming, you know? Death is coming. Death is coming. And you never know how he's going to look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His, his looks, I like, I like how they, why they picked him. The, the reason that they actually cast Robert was interesting, because they wanted sort of the opposite of Arnold. They, like, Arnold was the... Right. I think Jim Jim Cameron talked, he's like, he was the Panzer tank, and then... Uh, but Robert was more of a Porsche, you know, and, yeah. and, and he even talks about how he, he was cat like. He was like, I like that Robert has this cat like look yeah, to himself, his ears, his, face, and his, ears and his face. Of the face. And, and he's got this focus like he can see everything that's going on. He's right. very much focused like he, like James Cameron was like, I like that uh, I cast him because he looks like a cat. That's literally <laughs> something that he said in an interview before. <laughs> Thank you, Jim, for your time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, Jim. We appreciate your, uh, your viewership. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely talk more Terminator 2. Um, I'm very excited to, to riff with you about this movie. Uh, but, uh, you know, so you saw the movie. Was that, that was one of, obviously we chose this movie. And getting, getting uh, Ryan to kind of slim down is hard. It's very hard. It's a, t- it's a tough call. Like, what movie do we pick? Yeah. Uh, you know, so we were kind of between a few. And I think, um, you know, Ghostbusters obviously is a, you know, Ryan, I think, is the biggest Ghostbusters fan I've ever met. And that's coming from a, a pretty big fan myself. <laughs> He's actually wearing a, oh, a, yeah. a button-up Ghostbusters shirt right now with the little, you know, the ghost symbol. And it's, it's all slimed out. It's really cool. I love that shirt. Well, first time seeing it, actually, I think. You have so many, I, I can't keep track. But, uh, you know, I think we landed on, on Terminator 2 because of the kind of climate we're in right now. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Um, because over the weekend you actually posted on Facebook that it's so quiet here at the pool. Was it Saturday? It was just quiet, like in in my community. I, I you couldn't you didn't hear cars or birds or helicopters. Yeah. It was like pre 
apocalyptically eerie. It's know? like, where is everybody? You know, everyone was quarantining themselves or something, but it was eerie. Yeah. And okay, so uh, just today, E3 was announced that it was canceled. Uh, the biggest game tech convention in the world, which is big business for LA. It's here in the Staples Center every year. I've actually been able to go thanks to my brother the last couple of years. Thank you, Gianni. For getting me in. Johnny. Uh, really bummed that it's canceled, but uh, hopefully we'll be back next year uh, after all this blows over, if there's anything left of humanity, and uh, we'll be back. But, oh, uh, you know, South by Southwest, which mm-hmm. has become really the new, you know, indie film festival. It's really the new Sundance. It's been now. Um, you know, it's really considered to be the haven for, for independent film and, and a lot of music as well. And it's basically half the economy for Austin, yeah. Texas. Sorry, yeah. Austin. Um, oh, so it's, it's just, and yet, you know, when they announced, when they announced, uh, I'm not going to lie, when they announced E3, I'm like, that's in June. We're in March. That's three months from I now. Know, we got time to Are, stop freaking out. Is, isn't isn't anything going to blow over? It makes me feel like maybe people know things that we don't know, but also I feel like everyone's just freaking out. And yeah, I mean, I, I've talked to, uh, I've talked to a couple people about, about it to kind of play devil's advocate. Cause I, I'm more on the side of like, Oh, are we letting the terrorists win by canceling everything? You know, the biological terrorists, <laughs> but like, are we letting... You know, are we, are we letting ourselves just get beat? We're just kind of quitting. Um, but then it's like, well, if we cancel all these events where there's like a large population of people and it could lead to the spread of the virus, we don't know a lot about the virus yet. And I think that's ultimately, I'm kind of like, isn't it like a weaker flu? Like, it's, is it a big it's deal? A, it's, a, it's a flu. It's like a more advanced flu. But really, when the statistics, um, the, uh, the the people that are dying, are the, the uh, average death age is 80 years old. It's just, it's it's hitting people that are old that have respiratory issues really hard. Um, yeah. But I mean, 80 years old, um, you could just say at that point, you died of anything. If you make it to 80, I'm pretty psyched, you know? Yeah. Um, so it sucks for, you know, the, the older folks that are, that are feeling it. But... I think everyone's freaking out, and it's just, you know. But, hey, you know, we're not going to have toilet paper or Purell for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And really, at least really it's not the machine it, uprising, you know. At least it was, you know, biological and not mechanical. So, like, you know, because that's not going to happen for another, what, eight years? Was it 2028 that the machine's 2029. Rise? 2029. Oh, my God. Yeah, we've got guy. nine years still of, Shh, of good life ahead of us. we got nine years of biological uh, <laughs> enemy to get, yeah. to get to the mechanical one. But I think there... There's this element of fascination with Judgment Day, with the apocalypse. Um, and I think it's just one of these things that we like to kind of obsess about. You know, there was 2012, there was Y2K, you know, even 2001. Uh, they were like, oh, well, it, actually, it wasn't 2000, it's 2001, because that's the year that the computers need, that's a <laughs> year plus one that's going to trip the computers out, or whatever. And then there's, you know, Notre Dame, this was a big deal for a while. Um, you yeah. know, there was always kind of this, like, oh, there's the next... December twenty first, twenty twelve. December twenty first, twenty twelve was the was the date. Remember that? Yep. And, there was I the mean, the film, the Roland Emmerich movie, mm-hmm. uh, with John Cusack. And, I've uh, got a strong psychic feeling that the world is going to end <laughs> at midnight on New Year's. Exactly. Uh, so you know, I th- I think it's primal that you know there's a fascination with with the end, um, and from a storytelling, you know, storytellers obviously like James Cameron and and people that like to to tap into that. And obviously, you know, we have a lot of the, the more machine elements, which I think we're seeing, you know, already we're seeing kind of an apocalyptic takeover of machines. Everyone has a phone. Everyone's, everyone's on their phone. Everyone's got their earbuds. And now we got the wireless earbuds. You know, you don't even have cords anymore. (laughs) Who needs cords? And it's like the Borg from Star Trek. Are we becoming this, 
Are we becoming this next iteration of humanity where it's not necessarily, okay, Skynet wiping us out and being like, we don't like you anymore. Or in the Matrix, which came, you know, came off of that. Of like this AI rising up and wiping You've us seen out. You've right? social humanity just disappear since phones yeah. are big. Like people don't talk to each other. People don't interact the same way. They just argue yeah. online. You know, they don't right. know how to socialize. And and now with this pandemic fear, I had a buddy of mine. He, he works at a Gold's Gym, the, the famous Gold's Gym here in Hollywood, and um, he works out there all the time. And he's like, it was Monday afternoon, and it was dead. And he's like, Monday afternoon is always busy. Wow. I was like, should I even go? It's going to be so busy, but I got to get it. I got work at five, so I got to be there. You know, I'll, I'll go at one and work out. Yeah. And he's like, nobody. And you just feel it here. Yeah. Yeah, we went to the movies last night. There was no one uh, at the Grove. Uh, there was no one. Like, we were driving down third. There was no one on the street. Even there wasn't even people parked on the street. I was like, Man. and it was it was very weird. I was like, this is interesting. Because there wasn't any traffic. There wasn't any people. And I was like, everyone's just freaking out and, you know bogging down i don't know what they're doing it's 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 pretty great and what really was interesting is that the technology when we were kids we you know if you got bullied at school or something you would go home and you'd get away from that and you'd watch cartoons and you would play with your friends and you go back to school the next day and then you might get bullied again now it's like these kids can't get away from it because they go home and then they're just bullied online they're bullied on all their social media and i'm yeah. just like i can't imagine the stress the kids have ryan to and i are uh, in our mid-30s so we're about the same age um, but yeah, so like, yeah, you, it's just, it's a whole new culture and you can actually argue that, you know, maybe it's not a new race of humanity. That might be a bit extreme, but it's, it's definitely having a factor. So Terminator, I mean, I really think that, you know, it was onto something, obviously we're, we're looking at the 36th anniversary of, of the first film now Yeah, that it was really ahead of its time. Um, and you know, like I think it forces us as good art, good art. I believe forces us to really a, a obviously it's entertaining and we're entertained by the movie but it forces us to really think and really analyze ourselves and be critical of ourselves because the last thing we want to do is become complacent because once I think we become complacent and we don't be critical like okay maybe we could be better humans maybe we could do a better job like maybe we are giving the too much control to a somebody else or be a machine and at what point, like, okay, the machines are here to serve us, but at what point is it, like, that ratio of, like, who's serving who? You know what I mean? Like, i got to go home and update my, my iOS. i got to go home and update my, You know, and it's like, who's in charge here? Is it the, us or the computers? Yeah, I know, right? Is it a tool? Or at what point does the tool become the master, you know? Because at some point they're going to make a computer that becomes smarter than us, and it just becomes the thing that creates Skynet. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh Anyway, uh, was there any more of your origin story? Anyway, it was so much fun to watch Terminator 2 in the 90s when things were so great. We were kids. We didn't have to pay rent, you know. We had, like, (laughs) our biggest problem was, like, oh, we're out of Dunkaroos. Oh, no, the Ecto Cooler (laughs) ran out. Mom, we're going to need more sugar cereal. Um, And so, you know, and so it's it's fun to watch apocalyptic things in that time. It's a little more frightening now. But just in the last decade with, you know, Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead and all these things, that people just become fascinated with, like, apocalyptic life and like right. it, 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 it's become to a point where I think people kind of want to do they're like ooh I want to go out and purge I want to go out yeah. and, and like do this thing because I think everyone's just like one step away from becoming an animal when like the, the, the ish hits the fan yeah, people turn back into you know apes really quick and start smashing and looting and robbing and I hope that we can avoid all that and live as 
uh, like civilized society where we take a step back. Calm down, everybody. Calm down. Calm yeah. down. Everyone's got toilet paper. You can borrow it from anybody. Fear is the mind killer. You know, a, a clean tushy isn't going to save you from anything. Um, really, just wash, yeah. washing your hands and, and staying smart um, and really knowing about the disease. It's 80, 80 degrees or more will kill it. If you're drinking water constantly and you don't let it get into your lungs, that's going to save your life because if it gets in your stomach, you can poop it right out. So there's a lot of information you should look at instead of just letting yeah. the media freak everybody out. But um, you guys are smart. That's why you're here listening to us. Why would, Why else would you be here? Yeah, I like to think your your immediate survival needs are met if you're listening to this podcast right now, that you're not in like imminent, immediate physical danger. Uh, so good job. Uh, you got that part. If done. you're listening to this on like a hand-cranked generator uh, <laughs> in the apocalyptic wasteland, months after we've recorded this and you're enjoying and it. long gone. And you're enjoying it. Uh, there's nowhere for you to put comments or anything, but uh, we really appreciate the uh, listen listening ship. <laughs> <laughs> This is a movie that relates to me. You yeah. know, it's the same as like Home Alone where I was like, oh, that's that's what I would do if I was stuck at home. Or kids, <laughs> kids kicking butt. Yeah, ki- kids kids at the center of the focus. Mm-hmm. You know, in Home Alone, he it's it's very diehard with a kid. You know, um, I actually think those two movies are really spiritually linked. Yeah. Um, I think Die Hard was hot and they were like, it's also Christmas. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Terminator 2, I mean, what kid didn't want to be... John Connor, what kid didn't want to be yeah. Eddie Furlong? You know, you're, you're the future of humanity. No pressure. You're you got the cool hair. You, you can got break the into bikes. you can break into any ATM and just go arcading yourself. Oh, that was man. my. I was like, Everyone dude, I just want all that coin. Easy money. <laughs> yeah, easy money. <laughs> yeah, he's like a hacker. Oh, my buddy yeah. um, uh, Danny played his friend in the in the movie, the little redhead kid with the mullet. Um, oh my goodness! My buddy Danny, he's from uh, a show called Salute Your Shorts. He played right. Nick, and uh, he was uh, also part of the Nickelodeon world with uh, Hey Arnold. He was Stoop Kid, Stoop Kid on Hey Arnold, which was one of the more popular episodes about the Stoop, the kid on the Stoop. Right. But anyway, um, Danny Cooks is his name, and he's got a son now that looks just like him at that age. It's blowing my mind. That's it's funny. really funny. Yeah, but I don't think he's trying to steer him into acting or anything, but. Um, Anyway, Danny Cooks, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's he's great in the movie. Um, obviously, you know, once once they lose him at the mall, you don't see him again because the, the action to the film pushes past that. But, you know, he does a really good job of, of being, like, the friend sidekick to him and, and showing you, like, where he is, kind of his world before it gets serious, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's that beautiful moment where he, like, realizes that his mom has been telling the truth this whole time and now he feels like a jerk. Um but yeah, uh, why don't we uh, why don't we watch the movie? We're doing Terminator Two in three D. We're doing it in three D here at my place. I have a projector that does three D, wear the glasses and everything. Yeah, this movie. Um, real quick to talk about the three D. Uh, in twenty sixteen, which was the twenty fifth anniversary of this film, uh, they announced that they were going to do a three D remaster. They're going to do it in four K, and then they're going to do a ten eighty as well, which is what I have. Um, but a, I was like, my goodness, this story runs deep because you and I saw this together in the theater in 2017. But uh, I actually found out because I was w- watching Facebook in like early 2017, and it was kind of a crummy day. And I remember it was it was thundering and lightninging and uh, lightninging, and <laughs> I was just sitting on Facebook at my, at my apartment, and I came across a live feed with James Cameron. And it was an interview with James Cameron, and it was really funny because, like, the power kept going out, and they kept getting, like, they're having all these, like, technical problems, and he was like, the Terminators are rising right now. Like, he was, like, joking because they kept, they kept losing the signal because, you know, they were doing, like, a remote thing where they were patching him in. And, 
anyway, but then he was like, we're going to do a Terminator 2 3D, and we're going to do play it theatrically. And I was like, man, A, to see the movie in 3D is, you know, wow. But B, to see the movie again in the theater, which... Yeah. So in 91, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. uh, I was seven, and I remember seeing it maybe just a couple years later on VHS. Yeah, I was nine, so I got to see it then. Yeah. It was one of the few movies I got to see as rated R in the theater. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you made it. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I don't know if I would have... I probably, at seven, I think I might have been a little too scared. <laughs> uh, Jurassic Park was to another one, and that one scared oh, me. Oh, yeah. But Jesus, I did me. see that one in yeah. theaters, and I remember being like, oh, my God. I remember getting driven to that movie. It was in the car, and I was so excited, and almost being like, Mom, we can't. We can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like being, like, too scared. Uh, and Jurassic Park and Terminator 2 have a, have, a, have a kinship as well. A, they were close together. But the, the CG effects that emerged for Terminator 2 ended up, being like the impetus to go into use a very similar, mm-hmm. you know, using computer generated. Uh, they invented things for this movie. They invented, yeah. yeah they the T one thousand effect in this movie. Yeah. So yeah, but the three D um, is a real, real treat. I mean, if it weren't for Jim doing the uh, live feed on Facebook and you doing that, we would have never saw this. The, the, we'd seen uh, Terminator two three D like sort of spawned our bromance. We yeah, knew each other, but we weren't like, like yeah, we weren't yeah. fully uh, in love with each other until that moment. Yeah, we were we were getting there. It was proto bromance, but uh, I remember I was like, "Oh man, I got I got I got to get a, a crew together." And I was like, "Hey man, they're gonna play Terminator 2 in the theater in 3D." And I reached out to some people, and I remember, yeah, you and I were like buddies and starting to hang out. Um, but you know, obviously not as advanced as we are now. But uh, you know full bromance but you were like <laughs> there man I remember you like beat me to the theater and you were like oh my god Terminator 2 man and like it just yeah we were like this movie this special and getting to see it um, we were at the AMC in Century City and I remember we sat in like the front chunk I think we were like fourth or fifth row back yeah. and we took over the whole row there was like, six or seven of us and we were just and I remember there was a couple moments in the movie where I was almost like this is almost like too much man like in a good way like I was like this movie doesn't let up. It felt like a ride. Like we were it's stuck. A ride. It was like a ride. You know, there was a Terminator 2 ride a, a, a while back, I think at Universal or someplace, they used to have a Terminator 2 ride. Oh, yeah, Terminator Battle Across Time and Space. Yeah. yeah. It felt like that. We were just sitting in that for two two and a half hours. It was incredible. And there was yeah. moments where, like, the, the 3D popped out in my face and I actually flinched or put my hands up in yeah, like front of me. Like, like, like knife. Yeah, I was like, right, I'm actually going to get stabbed in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this movie, um, it, it, it's doesn't really age it's i remember at the 10th anniversary of it in high school i was like man this movie feels like they just shot it and then another 10 years went by and i was like man it feels like they just shot it <laughs> and then now and then getting to see the cleaned up version there was a couple of shots that i guess drove camera nuts and as you know you get into more uh higher quality you start to see some of the you know hd can be a little mean on, on certain things like you know the stunt double that played arnold who does a great job you know landing that motorcycle in the in the in the in the, in the la river uh you know now that we're so HDized and um, 4K. It's like, all right, well, you can see that. And there's a couple of little things that bothered him, but it's more or less the movie. It's more or less the th- theatrical cut. And uh, we're going to watch a 1080 of it right now uh, in 3D. Peter Peter Kent. That's uh, Arnie's stunt double. Thank you for looking that up. Peter, Peter Kent. Kent. You're the man. I'm sorry you don't... They they put Arnold's face and kind of rotoscope it and track it over. He did outstanding stunt work. He jumped from Great one vehicle to another job. and like rode it as it flipped over. Like it's you watch the behind watch the making of Terminator Two. It's a great half an hour documentary that sort of I watched 
a hundred times as a child on HBO. And, and I think I actually saw it before I saw Terminator 2 in the theater. I kept seeing it on HBO at my grandparents' house and I begged them to take me to the movie because I was like, what is this? I need to see this. Yeah. And then for that year, it was I was like fourth grade. I was nine years old and I'm doing a sleepover. Mom, I want to show Terminator 2. And she's like, well, you got to get all your friends to get approval from their parents for rated R movies. And if any of them, that they have rated R movies they want to bring, they can as well. And I was like, can we do Die Hard? And she's like, yeah, but we're also running Terminator 1 because you can't watch Terminator 2 without the first one. And I was like, that's right. There's a yeah. first one. And I had never seen the first Terminator until my fourth grade sleepover. We watched Die Hard, Terminator 1, Terminator 2, and then Child's Play 2. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I broke some friends' brains and like, you know, sort of turned them into the, the film buffs that we all are now. In your own brain, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I have one little anecdote, but I think I'm just gonna wait until we're we've watched the yeah, film. Let's watch this thing already. We've been yeah. jammering on for too long. Yeah, we've been jammering, man. My goodness. Alright. Well, without further ado, we'll be watching Terminator 2 Judgment Day in 3D. I'm so excited. I, I can't get enough of this movie. I better... That's just gonna be the whole episode. Yeah, I think we could just we just roll that. I'm just cutting everything out. That was <laughs> this is all gibberish anyway. That was really special. <laughs> Alright guys, Terminator 2, we'll be watching it. Be right back. Take care. Okay, we have just watched the greatest action movie ever made. I mean question mark. No question mark for me. Exclamation mark. Terminator 2 3D in 1080 on my wall 180 inches blasting the 5-1 sound I have goosebumps you think that I never seen this movie before <laughs> you think that I didn't watch it like two weeks ago um, I've seen it a million times I know you have as well it literally doesn't age through time um, this movie was filmed 30 years ago this film, this film was th- filmed in 1990 yeah and here we are, 2020, and nine years to go uh, before Skynet wipes us all out. <laughs> um, but this movie, it just doesn't stop. It's so in your face. The 3D is stunning. Um, you know, I mean, the movie is is great anyway. It's just great to see it on a big screen. Uh, but the 3D pops it out just that much more. And Sarah Connor actually hit me in the face with a <laughs> with a broken stick. I mean, I, I felt like. I, I, I knew it was coming. I was like, here it goes, here it goes, here it goes. And that poor orderly turns around and just gets the broken mop stick right in the face. And the way that it's filmed, there's almost like a flash of light or something. And when you can see it that big in in 3D, oh. I mean, I had a slight headache, you know. It was, it was just like a residual headache from the, the fake stick giving me the face. <laughs> Ryan Grassmeyer and I were just commenting on how, well, it was supposed to be a crummy day today. Yesterday was pretty crummy here in L.A., but today was supposed to be crummy, too. So I was like, oh, he's great. You know, watch a snuggle up, watch a watch T2. 
Uh, but we're like yeah. we're like closing my blackout curtains to block the sun so that you know it's like the most beautiful day ever right now even though the apocalypse is happening uh, around us and uh, they just announced that they're no longer going to be having studio audiences for the late night um, and you just made a comment about like how this was to react to the crowd how's like the host supposed to like play off like nobody I mean they can put laugh tracks and they're gonna make fun of it it's, you know that's the thing is that like they're gonna just like make fun of having an empty crowd they're yeah. gonna like put like blow up dolls in there it'll be fun for like the late night people to write around you know cause they're right. gonna like have like cardboard cutouts of you know of people in the crowd or something funny and it's gonna be strange but yeah the uh, uh just since we've last seen this uh uh, Trump has suspended uh, travel from Europe for 30 days. So uh, wait, no. since we started watching Tim- Terminator 2. Yeah, since we started watching Terminator 2, <laughs> uh, the oh the, my ju- God. the judgment day has gone even closer uh, upon us. And yeah, now the NBA and the NCAA are are talking about not having people in the crowds and suspending oh games and all this too. So wow, so we really are here. Uh, judgment day is upon us. And, uh, <laughs> I hope you can listen to it before it. Yeah, I hope this is probably too close to home. If you guys want to save this episode for later in a couple of months or years or, you know, I understand. But um, let's let's talk about the fact that this is a sequel. That, that this is, in my opinion, in contention for the greatest sequel ever. And I think that Cameron um, is a master of sequels, mostly from this. Oh, yeah. So Terminator 1 was his film as well. So he's building off his own film. Um, and then Aliens, which was really Scott did the first one, but I think he was able to take the, the ethos and mythos of, of, of Alien and really... Oh, he built it. Continue. Yeah. And expand on it in, in a really fun way. And I think that's an important thing is expanding on because what you don't want to do, the, the trap is to chase what made the first one great. Um, and what's so funny is they expand it so well in a way, but in a lot of ways it's it's very similar because it's two two entities are are thrust through time to either save the life or or attack the life of of one person. In the in the first film it's Sarah, in the second it's the son John, and the first film is tonality definitely leans more horror, more thriller. I I'm a huge fan of T one. I mean it had like. Six point seven million, I think, is the budget on one, whereas T two wow. has a hundred million. So, wow. you know, it, it but it, it doesn't feel as rough around the edges for a movie of that low budget. Um, but what's kind of ironic is that a lot of times this movie is kind of the the quintessential Terminator movie is T two really, mm-hmm. whereas maybe one other franchise that that's the case. You know, maybe Evil maybe Godfather, Dead. <laughs> Evil Dead, right, Evil Dead, maybe yeah, true. There, I mean, there's exceptions, but I mean, like when you think of Terminator, usually you think of Terminator 2, you know? So yeah. it's, it's one of those cases where the sequel, you know, obviously box office-wise, it does better. A lot of times the sequel does better because the first one's paved the way. The first one's much lower budget, much more of an indie vibe. Um, they got Orion Pictures to play ball at the time. But here, you know, there was a, an interview with Cameron and Schwarzenegger that I saw where Cameron jokes that, you know, Arnold's trailer in the second movie would cost more than the first movie did, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they had more money. But it wasn't just a matter of production and, and you know, all those elements are there. We're going to talk on, we'll talk on all those elements and the computer stuff and, and obviously the, the tech is there. But one thing about Cameron is, is it's always story, then tech. He'll write, he'll write, and he's demonstrated this, he will write a script. And he will bury it for 10 years because 
it's not ready to be made. It's not ready for the, techno- the technology. Not, not, not the other way around. Yeah, right. Like, not he, the other way around. I feel like there's a trap now in Hollywood. We're like, oh, we can, we can. So let's do this. Well, he wanted the uh, the the, the poly alloy uh, Terminator in the first one, but they just didn't have the, the the right technology yet. And he was like, I'm gonna just keep that in my back pocket for a possible right. sequel, because I want to make it look as good as possible. And then the abyss. Uh, water, you know, water tendril. water tendril is yeah was was so fascinating to people that he implemented that so much into this one, especially you know when you see T one thousand like smash his head into the helicopter and sort of slink his way in. Yeah, it looks like the tendril again. Yeah, just more chromed out. Yeah, than the clear, the clear the translucent un- the undulates. Undulates. Oh my god, it's so creepy. Yeah. Oh my god, it's T one thousand. But yeah, exactly. So. You know, there's there's an expansion here, and they're not just chasing the same arcs. In fact, the movie says in the middle of the movie, and I never put this together until this viewing, which is what's so great about another thing. You know, great movies you just constantly get every time you watch something new, because they're so dense and so layered. Is Sarah Connor is not the Sarah Connor from one. She literally Ooh. watches herself get blown up in the dream of the of Judgment Day, which yeah. is hard. That that dream always gives me goosebumps. I'm always so scared, and she's. She's powerless to, to yell out. She's crying on the playground, and she's shaking the fence, and she's screaming out for dear life, and then she sees herself in the outfit, the old Terminator 1 Sarah yeah, Connor. Yeah, she's the soft, like, waitress Sarah Connor. This, and she's all it's like, like oh, I'm happy. just doing my thing. I'm taking yeah. care of my kid, and I'm at the playground. Yeah, and Everything's then, great. boom. So, and and that, that really sums it up. You have a, a character that is haunted by this thing that has only happened to her. And it hasn't really happened yet. It's just she's been exposed to it via the first film. Yeah. So humanity is completely, you know, ignorant to this horror that's barreling down at them, yeah. that's coming. And only she has that. And so what would that do to a, what would that do to a person? It's just you know, so much weight for one person one to carry. One person to carry. Yeah. And then she's, she's dubbed insane, you know, and she's... You know, what's, I think what happened, which is really fascinating when you see the performance side of it, is I think uh, uh, Jim Cameron did... He filmed that scene, the apocalypse scene, earlier on and wanted it to be sort of halfway um, crispy so that uh, Sarah, so that uh, Linda could watch that and, and use that as motivation when she's doing her, you, me, everybody. Right. He did that to give her some visual that she could use because you could see in that that she's really seeing this happening, you know. But it happens way later in the movie. Uh, but I right. think he actually filmed that earlier on is what I remember hearing. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's, it kind of sums up her character because she's the one, again, holding on to this information and nobody else gets it. And it's like, she, I mean, and what would that do to a person? And this, this movie is an experiment in, and again, that, that's where it, it's not just Terminator 1 again. It's not the same works again. It's totally not the same works again. Obviously, you have, you have another Terminator played by Arnold again, but now he's good and uh, he's working for the forces of good. And we have, you know, Edward Furlong, who beautifully plays uh, John Connor. But there's just so many things that make the movies different. And it's not just more money, and it's not just that they had better special effects or whatever. It's the fact that there is an expansion of the world, of the story. And he does that in such a way that is so powerful in his sequels that it's like, you know, no wonder he's the the king of sequels. True Lies 2 would be amazing. True Lies 2, which was... Oh, where's announced you? a long time ago. Oh no, they were teasing about it a while ago. My God, that'd be so much fun. Yeah, we just watched that here. That's it's finally in 10E. Oh, finally, finally. Can, but we need it in 3D. I know. <laughs> well, yeah. Right now, so um, they did. Okay, well, Terminator 2 was his second film to be post-converted. Uh, they did um, Titanic, which is 
still one of the biggest hits of all time, only dethroned by by Avatar. Which, if you watch backwards, it's just about a nice boat that saves people. <laughs> I like to watch it in reverse. Yeah. Just get get the horror out of the way, <laughs> and then you can just chill. Well, the VHS, the second VHS was just the boat sinking. So you could like yeah. you could like choose if you wanted to see the love story, right? And Kate Winslet and all that good stuff. Or if you filed it incorrectly when you put it back in your shelf and, <laughs> and then you pull like, it out. Screw it. Let's yeah, just go. Let's go right to the action. And then we'll just take a nice little pleasure cruise <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't look like as of now there's any talks um, into post converting any any of the other ones, but. Honestly, people come to me all the time and they say, you know, 3D, like, if it's shot in 3D, it's great, but the, the, the post ones, they're, they're not that good. And you know what? There are probably a lot of them that aren't as good, but there are so many good ones that I literally get, like, passionate when people say this. <laughs> I'm like, you have never seen Terminator 2. You're like, come over right now and I'm yeah, going to strap over. these glasses on you. Dude, you're going to be blown away. I've man. seen you put glasses on people so many times while we're just <laughs> hanging out. And you're like, you shut up right now and we're watching the intro to Lion King. Or <laughs> you're yeah. just like, what? Okay, let's do it. Oh, that, that intro it's in 3D beautiful. It's stunning. It's beautiful. So, you know, the, the, yeah. the work that comes and, uh, in to make Predator. Post- Predator 1, which we've done here. Another Arnold. That's another Arnold favorite of mine. That's a post. There's a post converted uh 3d blu-ray no there isn't is it yeah. amazing oh my god you've seen it or haven't you i haven't seen the 3d no oh my goodness all right well dude i know what we're doing later but uh <laughs> <laughs> but here's the deal so like it, it's stunning and it's beautiful but as of now uh cameron mr cameron is busy making four <laughs> four avatar films he's been doing that for what 20 years now uh, well you the know first would come out 2005 here's 2007 if it were anybody else i would say he's crazy but the man is clearly Wait. not of this world I mean, you is, know but. if you watch you should everyone should watch the uh, making of terminator 2 if you get a chance it's it's i think you find it on youtube it's a half an hour long and it's a short film itself you watch jim you watch jim and you watch his process and you see him do things you can tell that he himself is kind of a robot he he is set <laughs> from his own future to help himself make amazing films because you watch yeah. his method and what he does and like he's He's one of the greatest actor directors you've ever seen, but he also is always in directing mode. I actually met his nanny uh, years ago, and she would tell me stories really? about how, yeah, she'd tell me stories about how um, he couldn't shut it off. Really, he would come home and he would still be directing his wife and kids and stuff. Yeah, and it turned into like you know an issue where you know eventually like Linda wasn't having it anymore. They, they eventually split up, which was I think the most expensive divorce of all time. I think right. she got like half, like she got like. 50 mil or something. Anyway, but clearly, you know, they're still getting along. He produced uh, Dark Fate, which he starred in. And, and so, you know, they, they got to still be friends. They have kids together, too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they, um, they're, they're cool. But yeah, so like, but you know, so apparently, you know, he, he, he's always a director. So it's sometimes detrimental to his personal life, too. Right. Which you can see when you're that you deep off, in, yeah, right. when you're like that deep into something that you're so good at. Yeah. He's just meticulously tweaking tiny things with these Avatar movies, you know, and I can't yeah. wait to see the, the finished product. I, I'm very excited. And, and you know what? If, if, again, if it were anyone else, I would say it's a cash grab, leave it alone. Um, but it's him. And the reason, you know, the reason I really wasn't excited about a lot of the Terminator sequels beyond this one is because Cameron never really, like, endorsed it. He was like, you know, I, I feel like I kind of wrapped it up. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to get into the sequels too much, but I, I like feel them because like... I'm an idiot and I love everything. <laughs> well, that's that's a positive thing, actually. Uh, it's a feature, not a bug, I guess. It's a feature, but you have to 
I mean, you have to innately understand that T two versus like most other films. So oh, T two wins there. all of them. <laughs> Dark Fate was so good, though. I sort of put it up there with like maybe my second favorite Terminator film. So. I call it Grandma Terminator, uh, sort of the way that I call the new Halloween movie Grandma Halloween, because mm-hmm. um, you get these like old, powerful female protagonists coming yeah. back decades later and kicking the crap out of everybody. I haven't seen it fun. still. I, uh, I've been, have to I've been a little afraid, to be honest. I'm, I'll, I'll admit to my, my worry that it's just not going to... I don't know. I Actually, I worked on Terminator Salvation as an electrician, second unit, and... Uh, I got to see so. I mean, I remember they're unpacking these Terminator endoskeletons and putting them on a conveyor belt and building these sets, and they all said Stan Winston Studios on them. And I was like, I was a kid in a candy store, and you know, the the electric the electric truck, the lighting crew, they had a, a Terminator endoskeleton propped up with the machine gun on the loading, you know, the loading. <laughs> one on the crafty door. table that you can yeah. eat, dip out of its hands. But then I felt like I went and saw the film, and and, and none of that was there, and the, a lot of the oh. physical, pro, the actual practical stuff wasn't there. You and said to it me, much, it, uh, it, computer. Yeah, it, yeah. it felt like they lost tr- touch with Say their the identity. Took over for this one. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I mean, back. I mean, obviously, it was a product of the times. Like back then, you're like, well, how are we going to do this shot? This is beyond, you know, actual practical effects. So we got to do CG. Yeah. But now, when you can CG anything, and we're only seeing like only a select handful of things actually using. I think we're starting to see a swing back. We're, we're seeing kind of a nice blend. Um, and I, I believe they should be blended together, and that's how to go, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Henry Danger, the kid show I work on, it's a lot of practical gags. It's all, like, that's stunt great. work. It's all practical. It's a lot of fun to be a part of and see that people are still doing this. That, like, creative people yeah. are reading a script and then running into a shop and building a thing overnight that becomes some weird yeah. gag or a set or something. It, it's, it's fascinating. But Salvation was actually, I, I thought, really good. It's just I get where why uh, where, where, where you're coming from because we we just made a commentary uh, – Especially when um, uh, when T eight hundred like rips his arm off in front of Miles to like yeah. show him like hi uh, I'm that arm that you have at your office uh, <laughs> and, and and it's just it's it's puppetry it's but it's beautiful it's fascinating and the work that Stan did with all of the makeup like you know we just did something similar for uh, for a thing uh, that Andy's going to be starring in soon where he plays a, a, like a robot clone of himself that eventually gets uh, you know sort of blown to bits and we we had to make a lot of fun practical things it's a comedy and and like you know and Stan he he, he uh, so yeah, it's, it's a comedy it's called it's clone a, off it's a family it's, it's a the family title family. we landed on I think it's but, uh, but came Stan, up with that Stan title. said a lot of things so when he was making when he was doing that makeup he you know they he was like the le- less is more so like you know he's like Arnold's stuck in this chair forever but he's like as soon as you start covering it in blood you're you're missing out on certain textures of the metal and this and that and it takes away from the thing and um and he's like and it just it looks like you know it kind of looks like you slap some hamburger on it is what is what Stan said and I was like oh my god we literally just poured jelly all over Andy for this yeah. shoot we did for blood and guts and like it was so much fun like watching you get like completely just gross but Arnold he was stuck in the chair for about three hours a day and there's a great quote oh, where, he was, where he was like, yeah that's it well about four and a half once well, his face the starts getting movie, torn apart but he has up, a yeah. great quote where he said where he was like oh three more hours of this <laughs> uh, I don't know how much longer I can take this alright alright but I need my foot massages, my oatmeal, and my Australian Christmas music. That's all I need. Go ahead, do it. You know, like he was like being sarcastic, <laughs> making jokes. But it must have been so much fun to just oh like be stuck with Arnold for three hours, like watching. They were making him laugh. You know, they were like uh, they were saying something uh, while he was in makeup, and they were trying not to get him to laugh. But 
they said something along the lines of like, they're like, oh yeah, if the makeup doesn't look right, I just walk by the lens when no one's looking. I smear some Vaseline on there, no one notices. <laughs> like Arnold like loses it. Like That's so funny. Anyway, it just seemed like a really fun project to be a part of. You know, I like know. everyone was really intense. Linda worked out for three hours. Oh, she's so ripped. Like six days a week, and you can see the body transformation from the first movie to the second. She is right. she is like ripped. You know, like looks mm-hmm. like someone who could just literally reach inside of you and tear your heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's so intense in this movie. You know, the scene where she's running around with the nightstick, you know, she 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 picks the lock from the, you know, the paperclip that she kept. And the, you just, yeah, that, like, military-esque, like, training. And then going out to the bunker and getting, you know, thousands of dollars in wepo- weaponry and the minigun to launch their like, <laughs> I didn't last even know stand. how the nightstick worked until I saw her holding the, the, like, against her forearm. Yeah. I just thought it was a weird, you know, extra part of the club that you, you know, you beat people with. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, to touch on, like, that that part, and I, one thing I really noticed this time around, kind of trying to dig deep, it's like, all right, we're going to do Terminator 2, we really got to we really gotta dig deep, because <laughs> everyone's seen the film, um, which is really exciting, because, you know, we can all, we all have that common ground, you know, and how many times do we reference Terminator on the, on the reg? Not just us, either, like, it's, it's woven into the mainstream. But one thing I really noticed this go was the kind of critical eye on, on authority, um, well, there is yeah. to serve and protect, you know, t- Robert Patrick is a cop and it's funny. So this movie is 30 years old now and the cops able to get around and get any information he needs. The parents, the foster parents immediately answer all the questions right away. What has he done now, officer? Oh yeah. Here's a photo of him. He's a good looking boy. He's a good looking. You're like, what? You No. Yeah. Like nowadays <laughs> we're like cops, you know, we have, we have a little bit more and I'm not saying they don't, they don't protect us. They, they do. I'm glad that we have police officers out there. Thank you if you're a police officer listening to the show. I'm not trying to be critical or anything. I just feel that there is a sentiment now that is more critical of authority. And they kind of use that. The Terminators prey on that. They like they, He becomes a cop so he can access information. He can go wherever he needs to go. Mm-hmm. He's able to operate without with basically yeah, impunity. Wolf in sheep's clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then the shrinks... And the, the, the quote-unquote, like, you know, sanitarium uh, asylum place is, like, I mean, you can't wait. You cannot wait for the Terminator to come and kick him <laughs> on the butt. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're so, like, ready. You know, and, and Silverman, Silverman, who comes back from the first one, he gets out right before like, they interview Kyle Reese in the police station. And then it's like, all right, guys, see you. Have a good night. And he leaves. And then, and then Arnold comes in and murders everyone. So he's able to survive the first film. And I love, love how they bring him back. And you just, you just love to, uh, can we pull up uh, the cast list so you played him? Played Silverman? Oh, uh, yeah. While yeah. you do that, I'll just keep talking a little. I'm sorry, I should have it right here. No, but. Uh, but, um... but so he's a cynic and he's a skeptic and he's like, oh, wow, this is rich. I could write a book on this, you know? And the place is obviously corrupt. The, the staff is like. Earl Bowen is his name. Earl, Earl Bowen. Bowen? Earl Bowen. Earl Bowen, you rock. Thank you. He's all, he comes back for three. And it's funny, in three, he's like, he's all PTSD and like nervous and he's a totally different, it's like if Biff had, you know, Biff has his fall from grace in, uh, in Back to the Future, he's like, ah, you know, and he's just like riddled by the, what he saw. But he's, he's been doing voiceover, uh, voiceovers for video games for the last, uh, like, 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's just that guy who works all the time doing voiceover work. How cool is that? He was also in, um, 
Uh, Naked Gun 33 and a third, which references Terminator because there's a moment where Saddam Hussein uh, gets killed or shot, and they think he falls to pieces and, mol- and, and he melts mo- oozes back together. back together. He oozes back That's together. That's right. Yeah. 33 and a third. 33 and a third. Oh, what a great film. That was only three years later. <laughs> Saddam Hussein, who's gone, and Leslie Nielsen, who's gone. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, he was, he was, I mean, Leslie, Leslie. Nielsen, he, <laughs> he showed up on the scene in like airplane. He was already like, you know, graying in his like late forties or something. So oh. anytime you want to compare yourself to like an actor's career or something, I mean, he did a his ton of like sci-fi insane. stuff earlier on. You can find, there's a movie called UFO or something that he did earlier on. That's so much fun. Oh yeah. Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet. There's one where there's an alien that just dances around about eating your brain. He's like, yeah, we watched that sing along part, brain. right? Like, yeah. It's the, it's the most random thing. It's so good. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. But yeah, so I, I felt that there was a, 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 a there's what is what is Terminator asking us? What is it asking us to focus on? What is it asking us to think about? You know, and these are some of the questions like what is it trying to say? You know, and I've watched interviews with Cameron. They're like, why did why did you choose robots? And he's like, well, you know, why, why the time traveling elements? He's like, well, we knew we had limited budget, so we're gonna have to do it now. <laughs> so I have to have them come to us through yeah. time, and that and that we couldn't so, afford to do the future yet, right? You know, I'm sure if we're up the camera, it would be like this future, like crazy world, which we get to see in Avatar. You know, later down the road, we get to see. And he's so good at world building, you know. Yeah. And I think the, the the greats are like Carpenter. Uh, Ryan and I are uh, former Sons of Carpenter members. You know, we talked about Sons of Carpenter in the first episode with Phil and how obsessed we are with him and just the Carpenter verse. You know, Cameron is is right there with him. You know, it's just the ability yeah. to create. And obviously, with a lot of help, they were from friends a lot of beautiful like people. USC or wherever they went to school. They were like college buddies. And then, and then, yeah. uh, and then, Jim Cameron is uh, isn't he credited as the art uh, uh, scenic art painter for uh, <coughs> Escape he, from New York? He well, yeah, he did the the sky drop, the sky, the back, yeah. the backdrops of the skyline, which gets and ends up being used again in uh, in Blade Runner like, the, yeah. next, the following year, eighty one to eighty two. Um, but yeah, so James Cameron did uh, did the sets on Dark Star, which was um, Dark Star. Yeah, the first. they started at USC, and then Carpenter left, and a lot of them did. Dan O'Bannon, who also did it as well, made it with him, uh, who went on to write Alien and uh-huh. Return of the Living Dead, wrote and directed that. He's also gone now, but yeah, we get just these guys from this era. It's 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 really a definitely like an amazing era of. Just powerful people coming through. I just love that the John Carpenter's like, "Hey, uh, Jim, can you paint that uh, moon a little brighter over there?" Okay, <laughs> thanks. Uh, and then, like you know, years later, they're like, you know, James Cameron has become like the biggest blockbuster, uh, like record holder of all time. Yeah, with he's like movies. rich. Yeah. And you know, they they were friends. They do. I I I'm watching this again. I actually was. We were seeing weird Halloween uh, sort of. I think homages in a weird way uh, when um, the stepmom pins the stepdad to the to the. To the uh, um, the cupboard there with her knife arm was very much like when Michael Myers uh, shows up and and uh, totally and, and that relentless kind of that relentless one noted killer like just, yeah just follow know. like always right behind you and then the, the asylum scene was very much Halloween two uh, you know it's it, it was really cool totally. that I thought that they you could tell that G, that Jim was like you know probably influenced a little bit by his buddy and then built on it made it even better you know a bigger better thing but. It's yeah, they're though. they're both near and dear franchises to me, and there's a kinship between them. Uh, and you know, and the fact that you have like a, a powerful female heroine who's not just the damsel in distress, right? Yeah. Like, like Sarah Connor, and you know, like Ripley from Alien. You know, Ripley like, yeah. from Alien. It's like aliens and alien aliens and alien. You know, again, Cameron. You know, just the also strong three female. and Resurrection. Well, right. cubed. 
Alien Cubed. The three is at the top. It's kind of Alien Cubed. But it's strong female, you know, yeah, like these that don't, that aren't dependent on a male presence to like right. continue their story, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like Laurie Strode from, from Halloween, she's, she's a badass, you know? Yeah. And she ultimately kicks butt and, you know, she, she fights back and, yeah. you know, it's 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 really just it's cutting edge stuff and you think about this Terminator 2 is 30 years old and I remember watching um, it, it kind of started as a slasher film you could say you could call Terminator 1 a slasher movie you it know was, you could argue uh, that it, it was is. like a sci-fi horror you know right. it was definitely a horror film I mean right it's a sci-fi horror but what, what's a slasher and you know so I, I was watching the making of Terminator 1 and uh, Cameron had a nightmare he was traveling in Italy and he got very sick so he was not home. He was out. He was out in another country. He was. He got. A was really it coronavirus? Bad, he got really corona. He beat it though. Is it so. quarantined in Italy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he got really sick, and he's in his. He's having like these fever dreams, and he dreamt of this fire with this Terminator hand coming out of it, and that was like the beginning. And then he's and he's a, he's an incredible drawer. He, he's he's has beautiful drawings. Yeah, and one of the early nice. drawings is you know at the end of one with the they're in the duck system. Crawling mm-hmm. through the duct system right before it gets smashed at the end, um, you know he draws a Terminator and a skeleton with a giant knife in front of it. Very slasher movie knife. Uh-huh. Obviously, he ends up losing the knife. Terminators don't really need knives; they are knives. <laughs> so you know you get to really see this evolution, and there is a kinship there with Halloween, and and again they they didn't have they didn't have a huge budget, and they were like, yeah. what can we do with what we have? But again. Not, it's not so much special effects and all that. That stuff's great, but the pen and the paper. Like, how do we yeah. breathe this world? How do we give this world as much as we can? And Terminator 1 and 2 both give you a lot of exposition and a lot of, like, building the world and telling you the world. But Cameron brilliantly says, like, I always do it. There's always something going on when they're explaining it. They're either being chased. Like Kyle Reese in the first one with Sarah Connor. They're in the car. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, Sky Nebula, blah, blah, dun, 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 dun. You know, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. driving around, and then Terminator's chasing them then they're just you know there's always like what are we doing right now and then what's going on like action wise movie wise plot point wise and then all the exposition there's never just like two guys sitting there like well then they were scanning it and you see you you know there's there's never that it's it's always it's always tucked in to the action you know and then that's what makes it such an effective movie so by the time that you're done the movie you're like that was all action wasn't it and you're like you think about it you're like no it really wasn't but it's done in such a way that it's like it doesn't stop and it really doesn't but Oh man, I can't stop talking about this movie, man. I think that's really the you know why it was so phenomenal. Why I wore out my VHS back in the day. I would you know I'd I'd finish the film and I'd be like, well, we just had to murder the Terminator in a vat of lava, and then I'd be like, (laughs) but I want to go on that journey again, and I'll go rewind it, and then I would play it again. I would watch it five times in a day. I mean, when we used to rent videos from the video store, you'd only get twenty four hours or forty eight hours per rental. So we would honestly watch, if it, we liked, we'd watch it over and over and over again. Uh, but this was something that, like, you know, I've, I've seen a million times and I'm still catching things, you know? I'm exactly. still, like, you know, picking up themes and, like, you know, I don't know. Right. It, it, I'm never going to get bored of it. Like, I, I, I've seen it uh, a thousand times. I'll see it another thousand times. And I'll, and it's just I'm never going to get bored. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> they it's don't make movies like that. Powerful. Where it's just, like, where you can watch it a million times and never get bored of it. It's so powerful. You know? You know, and... What, what, I mean, besides the fact that it's fun and it's awesome and it's great, and that it is, that it's all those things, but what is it about it that captivates us? And I think it, 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 it questions what, what it is to be a human being and what is in jeopardy here. I mean, like, okay, 
sure, Skynet's really going to, in nine years, we're all screwed. Skynet's going to come. But allegorically, you know, this is saying, like, when we're talking about technology and how we're all on our phones, we're all on our computers, and, you know, it, this podcast is a, is a piece of tech. You know, you're listening to it probably on your phone or, you know, your computer. Uh, so at what point is it, like, are we in danger of losing what it is to be a human being? You know, what, what is it, when are we in danger of losing us? And what's so great about this movie is, so we, we talked about how Sarah Connor becomes the Terminator, right? Like, she's, yeah. like, she's like, I have to stop Miles Dyson. Yeah. I have to stop this future from happening. I'm the only one who knows. I'm the only one deep down that knows that it's the truth. And then when the Terminator finally shows up, she's like, see, you guys. You know? <laughs> she, yeah, she has to be. She's the Terminator in this film. She's yeah. bearing that, that, yeah. that, all that weight of, of humanity being wiped out yeah. on her shoulders. And we get to see her come undone. And we even get to see her have that moment with Miles where she can be a Terminator, where she chooses right. to not be a Terminator. That's and, the crux and kill of the movie, that, in my yeah, opinion. Like she literally is like, am I a Terminator or not? Right. I'm about to terminate this person. Yeah, she's got and, Miles Dyson. She's got the, the and gun. And she's even squeezes the trigger halfway. That's not a hairpin yeah. trigger. Oh, he she's ready. She's ready, man. Uh, but I love the fact that uh, that the, 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 the dudes don't, you know, that John and, uh, and T-800 don't come running in to save the day while she's got the gun in her hand. I like that she has that moment herself. She realizes, right. like, this isn't me and like sits down and like collapses in a pile yeah. full of tears and then they come busting in right and and then they're like what's the right. what's the price of uh, okay so killing so yeah. i mean if you do the whole like weighing the scales thing like okay one man versus humanity but when you got down to it she looked him in the eye and saw the family saw the wife saw the kid and just said i can't do this you know and and yeah. there it is and that was that was the moment where she preserved Humanity. Her humanity. She didn't become a robot right. in that moment. She didn't be, right. And she also probably saw, a, you know, a glimpse of herself on that that playground with her kid. And she sees this family and this kid, and she yeah. just goes, "Oh my God! Like, who am I right now? Right. You know, like, do I want to become this person, or can I stay, or can I maintain right. a bit of my humility and my humanity?" Right. And I think that's the that's the crux of the movie, man. Yeah. It really is. And that's what the movie's saying, like. We gotta stay human, no matter what. No matter what, and, and you can't give up that last little bit ever. You can't. And 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 is there a danger of it being of it disappearing? Absolutely. I think a lot of people already are disappeared. You know, yeah. you see, and you, even like younger generations, they don't really have what we had, where we had to blow into video games to get them to work, and then they wouldn't. You'd have to be like, ah, crap, <laughs> we're gonna have to go outside and form an imagination. Uh, what Ninja Turtles do you want to be? Yeah. You know, and like now it's like they have everything handed to them right away, so easy and instant, and their imaginations go away, and they they become, you know very needy for and it's just like and you're like man we didn't have that you know and right. I feel like the kids are you know are mimicking sort of roboticness already you know and they, they I feel yeah. like some of them don't know how to feel proper emotions because they never really got yeah. to do this right you know like when you when you bully someone online you don't really see how it affects them but when we were being younger and someone would bully you that you would make an you would make a face or an emotion or you would cry or you would be hurt something would happen where that that person would see the actual thing sink in mm-hmm. and sometimes it would affect them too you know but i think we're such disconnected now you can say whatever you want online to anybody and argue about whatever you want and it's just faceless nonsense and it's such a waste of energy and like no one actually has real conversations anymore they I just know. want to argue their side you know yeah and and skynet <laughs> You could say is the internet, you know, and, and yeah. I think, and I think the internet, and the internet is a powerful tool. Sky Netscape. Sky Netscape. <laughs> Sky Netscape 2.0. <laughs> Alta Vista. <laughs> oh man, I remember those. Oh, but man. yeah, like, so okay, the internet's here to stay. Um, so, you know, we have to just remember what makes us us, and and make sure that we we 
we keep what it is to be human and, and keep expressing that. And I feel like this movie is just, it's, it's indoors for so many reasons. A, at its surface, it's just a fun movie. You know, uh, Michael Crichton said, "I just want to, I want to, I want to, I like to give lessons, but then I put them in a, in a spoonful of sugar so that you can swallow the lesson." <laughs> you know, like you, you dress, you read Jurassic Park, and you get, you get a lot of genetics that actually exist. You get a lot of theoretical yeah, pr- projections yeah, yeah. that are, are are science fiction, but you learn a, a more or less a basic go around on on genetics. You know, I feel like that. No here, here's the thing. Here, it's like. There's, these are so thinking man's blockbusters, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they make you think, they make you question, and we have a responsibility as people, you know, to take responsibility for our technology, to take responsibility for what we do, to have a critical look into what we're doing at all yeah. times, and we have to, we have to, the second we're just, a, the second a human being is just a number, the second a human being is, is not a human being, it's just an ethereal idea, you know, game over, like... It's not just a blockbuster for blockbuster's sake. Like it's not too fast, too furious. It's 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 you know too Terminator, too Judgment Day. It's <laughs> it's, it's I mean it's like it was like it was it was actually thought out of uh, you know of a lot of different things. That's why you can tell what kind of genius that Cameron has in his mind, which is why yeah. he has probably just been inundated with Avatar Land for so long now that I mean I can't wait to see when he like dumps all that. Is he gonna go like take a vacation or? No, he's gonna go back under the water into a submersible. Yeah, he just lives, <laughs> he just lives under the sea. He's like, right, I'm gonna go make a new camera. I'm gonna. Yeah, I know. He he's done. Um, have you seen any of his documentaries? Any yeah, of his yeah, underwater yeah. ones? They're so cool. It's funny. Before Avatar came out, I watched one of his underwater ones, Ghost of the Abyss, and it was oh, yeah, showing yeah, the stuff. the sea life and the bioluminescent uh, creatures in the deep sea, and and then you know all those things came into play in the jungles of Avatar. Yeah, they were they weren't underwater, but the very same like way the life kind of sprouted and the, the plants would kind of undulate like yeah. they're in the water the bioluminescent jellyfish yeah. elements See the, the yeah. I think he invented uh, some sort of contraption that can go lower than anything that they had for personal use uh, submersible submersible yeah uh, didn't, he, didn't he invent didn't he have like didn't he like invent something so that he could go like in like a personal little thing I, like I lower than any person I think he did yeah he did I think I, heard, I think I remember hearing about that that he worked with a bunch of uh, scientists that's so cool I mean if you look at in Terminator uh, not Terminator the, I'm sorry the the uh, Titanic in Titanic, it, yeah. o- it opens in a submersible with, with Bill Paxton. Yeah, which you wonder, so, like, is that a little bit of himself that he put in there? Oh, and he was like, I'm going to write myself into this. I'm going to have Bill Pax play it because we got to put Pax in here. You know, we oh. got to put the Pax man in. R.I.P. I miss him so much. I know, man. Oh, why couldn't have been Pullman? No, I'm kidding. That's why. <laughs> I'm convinced we're the same person. I'd be very sad if. When when Pullman does oh, indeed go, I was I really mean. I'm sorry. Sensitive. I'm sorry. No, Pullman. you were joking. You were joking. I'm joking. He's joking, everyone. <sighs> oh wait, hold on. I just got a news tick. Oh, Bill Pullman just died. Oh no! Oh, no, it was my fault. No, coronavirus. Oh, my God. Oh, coronavirus. God. Tom Hanks and his wife both just got coronavirus. That is Excuse actually me? the thing that, that that actually just happened. Oh my God! It's like the news that popped up in the last hour. What were they traveling or something? I don't know, but it's like you can't. Are take, you kidding me? You can't take those gems away. Oh my god! It's only affecting older people, which sucks because they're older people. But uh, you know, they're part of the elite. I like to think Tom Hanks has uh, doctors that can. He's he's probably got some chamber that he can go sit inside of, <laughs> and it just like cleans out your entire body organs, and then you're yeah. fine. Like he has to go. Fly. He's had cancer four times, but like he's bearded because he's got this special chamber. He has to go under underwater with James Cameron and find his laboratory. <laughs> I'm looking for James Cameron. He has the answers. Listen, this is perfect. <laughs> this is a perfect PSI for underwater pressure that kills all your bacteria in your body. But to to kind of talk about you know humanity versus 
AI, like that duality, right? Like, sure. He, it, so I, I just maybe a year or two ago found a really, really great interview with Schwarzenegger, and I'm really glad I found it because it wasn't on any like new, it wasn't on any like the new featurettes on anything. Um, it was so he literally got the script for Terminator 2 from James Cameron, and he's like, oh yeah, finally we can do Terminator with money, <laughs> we can do it right. You know, they were both, like, budding at, you know, in, in 84, they were both budding. Uh, Schwarzenegger had done, like, the couple of Conan movies, and, uh-huh. you know, or was it just the one before? Yeah, you know, the, the Conan movies. And, you know, he was still kind of making his name for himself in the, in the States, especially in Hollywood. And Cameron was, uh, was you know, doing sets, and uh, he just had done uh, one feature. He did Piranha 2, The Spawning in 81, which is actually another fun. sequel. Another sequel, and it's actually pretty fun. <laughs> it's the best Piranha. I, I, I love Joe Dante's first one. It's it's great, and I'm a huge fan of 3D, which is the third one. Alexander, that was so uh, much fun. Yeah, it's, it's also in 3D. It's great. Yeah. It's so much fun. But um, basically, he was like, oh, yeah, finally, we're going to be able to like do this for the masses, right? And he thought it was just basically going to be Terminator again, like more or less the same movie. Uh-huh. He'd be bad. He'd come yeah. back. They'd have a lot of money. And then he's like, "No, no, 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 uh, Arnold, you're you're gonna you're gonna be good in this one." And he's like, "What? No, no, that's Jim. Jim, I love you, but you're writing up." And he literally was like, "I love you, but man, that's that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard." <laughs> and then he like he, this never be successful. And then he gets on a plane. He had like a four hour flight somewhere or whatever. And he gets on a plane and he reads the script of Terminator Two. And he said he got off that plane. He's like, "James, James Cameron." Is so smart. He's <laughs> so such a genius. Yeah, and he's like, and and we talk about how you know you, you say that it's it's got the comedic elements and it really does. Yeah, um, and that just humanizes it that much more. It still has the horror. It still has the visceral, bloody. It's yeah. still a ruthless action movie. It's nonstop action. It's a lot of blue collar people just getting murdered by a lot of blue collar murder. T one thousand there, you know. Yeah, it's getting chucked out of helicopters and trucks and stabbed with the, oh yeah. my god. The, 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 the horror is there for sure, but there's that buddy human with like the Terminator and Edward Furlong and them teaching each other. And that moment where, you know, we both caught it where he gets the minigun and they're in the bunker um, and, he's, and Arnold cracks that smile. He like gives him this look with his eyes where he's smiling with his eyes and then he just cracks the smile on the side of his face and you're like, yeah. that is beautiful. So he's... In my opinion, that is preserving humanity. That, if, that is a metaphor for preserving the human moments. He's becoming more human is the thing. Right. Like, that's the problem. That's really the, the problem with the, the, the thing, the, the love story that happens between him and, and uh, Terminator is that he's becoming more human. He's teaching. <laughs> it is a love story. It's a, well, it's like a father-son type. You know, it's yeah. like a missing father type story. You know, his, his, his foster folks are gone. Uh, I have dad issues, so I understand. Uh, but, you know, so it's like, and, and he does. He's got this protector. He's got this, you know, this, this sort of person that he can look up to, but he can also teach things to, and they're, like, learning from each other, and they're doing this thing. They're they're working on a car together. They're, it's like these father-son moments going on this whole time. So when he has to, like, kill him in the end, he goes, I know not why you cry. It's because he knows now. He's become human enough that he gets pain on an almost emotional level where he's just like this is what you're talking about this it's it doesn't have to be actual pain but this freaking sucks and i can understand that and i can't believe i have to go away now but it's okay we'll it's make like five more movies It'll be fine. <laughs> i know now while you cry and then oh yeah oh yeah but the before he's like it's like he's like why do you cry and you know, like they're working on the car and you know at the bunker out there uh in the country and he's like you know it's like when when nothing's wrong, but it hurts anyway. Do you understand? And he's like, no. He goes, no. <laughs> the that's, way he's, that's the funniest part that's of the movie. He just goes, no. no. <laughs> like, yeah, but you nailed it. This this is a movie about parental figures. Sarah Connor is the mother operating without the father figure. Yeah. 
Um, Todd, who uh, pulled the cast list again, but Todd played by um, my goodness, I forget his name. Yeah, pulled the list. Oh, um, oh, uh, yeah. What is that dude? He's name? such a jerk, and he's like, "Will you, honey? Guy. Will you move?" Like when he's in, when she's in front of the TV. Yeah. Um, they're they're great. The two of them. Todd are. Xander Berkeley. Xander Berkeley. He's and you know yeah. Air Force One, Shanghai Noon. He was and, on Twenty Four for a couple years. That guy rolls. Oh yeah, I actually briefly saw him. I worked on a movie called The Year One, which is the last Harold Ramis film. That's right. And he played like a king because uh, it's, a, it's a yeah. He was on Walking Dead for you know a couple seasons. And, oh well. Yeah. Well, he's Todd from T two to me forever. <laughs> He'll always just be Todd. You have to say it like Todd. Yeah. He's like, you're not my real dad. You're not my real Todd. dad, Todd. I can only say people's names as Todd that way. I've yeah. Never, I've never been able to pronounce. He's it. He's such a badass in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the kid who can like he's he's got the quips, he's got the hair, like, where, he's got what, the money. Who, where did Edward Furlong come from that he had this attitude already that he picked him off the street and just threw him into this major movie and like gave him a, a month of acting classes and we're like, all right, you're good, get in there. Yeah, you just crushed it because he does he has really great moments too you know he gets emotional oh he's great in it no you're this is a movie about father figures about mother figures and sarah sees her as the mother of humanity she is protecting what she is wearing on her back is all of mankind yeah and and so cameron says let's make a story about a human with all that pressure on them what happens you know society has has ostracized them says that they're crazy she's no one believes them you know it's it's such a cool idea, and she's like the mother of the future, and then the son who like kind of abandoned her. She's like he's, she's crazy too. She she he he fell into that same thinking as everyone else, and then you know there's that moment where she's sitting on the picnic bench where they're out there in the in the country, and she's like looking up at Terminator, you know, playing what was it, uh, the high five game? Yeah, they played patty cake. Patty cake, <laughs> and she's like, I look up at this this Terminator, and you know. He measures up way more than any other father figure. You know, he'll never get drunk and beat him or fall asleep on him or blah, blah. You know what I mean? He'll never need Viagra. Ne- <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh. exactly. Um, but yeah, so, I, and you keep saying, you know, there's that father that father element and uh, it's there. You know, it's yeah. so there. Yeah. Um, and... You know, he becomes the male figure. And, you know, Kyle, Kyle Reese is a really strong male figure. And Yeah, it sucks he never gets to meet his but father. He, but he dies. Know? But then it's like, yeah. I never get to meet him. And then he's like, you will. How weird is it to send someone back that makes you? You know, like, hey, go yeah. back there, bang my mom, and then I get to be made. All right, cool. Now really? get out of here. It really, uh, it really messes with your head. You it know? really messes with your head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, so good. It's It's... This movie is a perfect film. It's it has film. everything. It should have won Oscars and things like that, but it was before that could have been a contender. You know, Oscars be darned. Yeah. I, I, I think you know, and talk about the test of time too. I mean, the movie doesn't look thirty years old physically, no. but emotionally, the ideas, the the concepts, they are still from the future. They are so cutting edge. They are more relevant now than they were thirty years ago. It's still ahead of its time thirty years after it was made. I know. That's it's bananas. It's crazy. And it looks better than most movies that are made now with, with the over-CGI. Because Ugh. they use so much practical stuff here. I mean, Stan Winston built, like, you know, half-body busts of the three main actors. You know, he had to, you know, tear them apart and do all kinds of weird things. So he had, like, full-on animatronic robot. There's actually a great scene where... Um, uh, it's in the, I think it's in the, um, in, in the making of uh, thing where Arnold uh, meets his robot self... And he's like, oh, my God, he's so good. He looks just like me. And then he goes in, 
and just kisses it right on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such like a weird thing to do, but you're like, of course, Arnold of all people was like, this is my one chance to kiss myself. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, you know what? There, there's there's that moment that sticks with me, um, in two where where Patrick, where our Patrick, uh, sees sees that like silver mannequin. Yeah, and it's it's after the point in the movie where the audience knows that like that's his like liquid form, and like he like he you know oozes into that like Capri Sun liquid, and then and then like the skin comes over, and he like fleshes onto a person. So he looks at it, but he he gives it the most Capri puzzled. Sun. Puzzle, yeah. He gives it the most like puzzled look, looking at the silver mannequin, and that is the funniest thing. To me. I know. Every time I always think he's, he just looks at it going like, "You racist! Who, yeah, put, yeah. <laughs> who put these robots? Is that all I am to you? Yeah, <laughs> just gonna put clothes on me when I'm not useful to terminate anymore for you. I'm just your mannequin now. But like that, that's an example of. Well, he said, he said a lot with his eyes. He was like, "Was it, it's like, yeah, yeah." It was it was just one of those moments that you know, it's just one of those details that adds the makes the world the, that much the, deeper. Jim Cameron does, and why he is uh, like a, a freaky genius, you know? Yeah, he is a freaky, freaky genius. I meant to say that, like, well, they had Lance Henriksen cast as the Terminator originally. That just is so weird. And to he's, me. so he's cast as the cop, and he's great in it. And then he yeah. becomes Bishop in Aliens, and he's had a, he's had a great career. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, but his Terminator was a lot more of that. The, the, the Terminator in the script was a lot more of like the shadow, like he could blend in. It could, you, you wouldn't see him. Okay. Uh, and then they cast Arnold, who's like gigantic, yeah. and they're like, "All right, well, you don't have to blend in if you're that big. You can just kill everyone, and it's fine." I'm so glad they did that, though. Exactly, because you know, at this point, like he, he he's only programmed to to kill and 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 then go away. You know, like he doesn't right. he doesn't care what happens to him after he completes his mission you know yeah. he can't sell Terminator so someone's going to have to kill him or he's going to live a life with a nice retirement community in <laughs> Sun Lakes Arizona I have a golf cart and I go play shuffleboard <laughs> uh, like, there's like the, so I mean that was I think that was uh, you know one of the fascinating things as well um, but yeah um, yeah I mean it, <sighs> so I mean it was cool to get to see that Terminator in two you know yeah. so it's like okay and, and we talked about how there were parts of two in one. And actually, I remember watching the making of one on the DVD. And there's a scene where uh, where she looks up, uh, or yeah, Michael Bean and Sarah are, are looking up Cyberdyne systems in, in the phone book. Oh, and yeah. they're going to go and they're going to take them out. And then he's like, you know, well, that really deviated from the kind of main story arc. And I only had so much time. And then he's like, I'm really glad I didn't go down that road because that became the, the <laughs> nucleus for uh, yeah. for two. We're going to blow up a building in North Hollywood at some yeah. point. That was so much fun. The minigun, I think that was the most bullets that were ever scattered in like one scene or something. There's, they oh, have I'm some sure. accolade for that. That minigun. The minigun. It's a damn minigun. The minigun. I like yeah. that he just like announced it. He's like on the PA. He's like, he's got a dang minigun. Yeah. And, and a temper. <laughs> uh, but like we were, we were talking about uh, parallels of movies, and uh, we saw some Die Hard in there. Oh uh, yeah, shoot the glass. Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah, the Nakatomi Plaza. The glass. And uh, and uh, and and then we saw the uh, motorcycle coming up the stairs, like we would see uh, later on in True Lies. Oh yeah, yeah, True Pro True Lies. Uh-huh. He went. Robert Patrick's on the, the the cop motorcycle coming up. Yeah. And that. That building, yeah, the office building, mm-hmm. and like comes and, like shoots out of a building on a motorcycle, and then like James Cameron was like, "That was so much fun! Like we should do it on like a way taller building." <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and like the guy's not you know impenetrable, so he'll land in a pool like across the street. It'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. And then they like lock eyes from across the way. Yeah, it's so, so far away. It's so like, great. They're like, do do do. They're like they're looking right at. And like everyone's just like going along with their pool party. Like, should we keep should we keep pool partying or? 
That movie, it. we could do, we got to do another uh, episode on, on True Lies. It's we'll do True Lies. Such a good movie. We'll do, um, Talk about a comedy Last wrapped action in an action hero. movie. Yeah. Last action hero. We'll Every do, Arnold movie. We'll do the We'll go through the Arnolds. We'll do Predator 3D at some point too. But uh, this one was. This is just a perfect film. It really is. It's one like you can put on anytime, any day, any mood that you're in. Which is why I used to put it on just when I was watching homework. You know, just background noise. It's it's the perfect movie. I put it on to fall asleep to. There's like hardcore gun battles, and I'm like, ah, oh, load me to sleep, sweet Terminator. No, there there is nice. this this comforting <laughs> something weird and comforting about it. Really comforting. <laughs> like I was saying before, the simplicity of it. Yeah. You know, life life is often not simple and often confusing and often it's 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 kind of calming in a weird messed up way to be like, well, if we don't do this, we're dead. It's you know just, what I mean? You well, just follow. Well, you just follow the, the series of events, and you don't have to yeah. do a lot of thinking. I, I can't argue with it. Yeah, like anyone can yeah. watch this movie and be entertained. You right. know, and and so that's what's great about it. You know, and most people I know have seen it, and if they haven't, then I bring them over here and well, I jam glasses on their face and I make you show that. To them. It's it, it has it has so much of those like you know like the power of myth, uh, Joseph Campbell like archetypes of a hero. You know, like Sarah Connor is is representing all of. She's the woman of everyone. She's wearing all of mankind on her back, you know. Yeah. So, this the stakes couldn't be higher. And when when you when you go into a movie, you know, it's a journey, and you have to be on board with the uh, yeah. Blake Blake uh, uh, Blake Snyder, who wrote um, Save the Cat. He's one of my favorite screenwriters. Yeah, yeah, R.I.P. I, yeah. I talk about him all the time, and I always say this. And Save the Cat is the name of the screenwriting book. Mm-hmm. But Save the Cat's the moment where the hero does something like saves the cat from the tree, and it's you're like, moment, yeah. you're like, I'm with this person, yeah, like. And there's so many movies where you watch it and you don't really, a lot of it's very like subliminal and very like visceral and you don't really know. You're not like, oh, why do I not, why do I love this guy? You don't think about it like that. But I, I always try to, you know, as a, obviously we're students of film and we watch movies constantly and, you know, <laughs> after like the 40th viewing, you're like, oh yeah, let me like sort of break it down. Um, and then we make a podcast and talk about it. But it's like these, these archetypes of why we want to be with them, like what makes them relatable to everyone what makes them you know so addictive why is this movie so great it's because like it's so clear you know and there's so many days where i'm like what am i doing with my life what it's just too much information data coming at me it's nice to just be like well if we don't kill this thing then we're all gonna die (laughs) and it's like ah I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's about the value of human life. It's, you know, it's like it's it's right. Like, how do you value that? What is your value? You know, and like, and it really breaks down into, you know, uh, can you? I mean, like, can you withstand the pressure of knowing that you are the only one that can help save all of humanity without cracking yourself and becoming a Terminator and murdering somebody and losing a part of yourself? Right. You know. Exactly. And it's like so the value of your humanity is is so much that you can't let it you can't let that last bit go. Um, and so I think it's really fascinating. But uh, when I I remember when I was watching it when I was really young, uh, one of my main things that I took away when I was analyzing it as a child. Uh, was if I had a pet Terminator, I would just have him break into every <laughs> vending machine. I would just have him punch holes through every vending machine, just give me snacks, punch in all the pay phones, just have so many quarters, just be at the arcade all day. Yeah. All day. Be like, bring it other Terminators. I got my pet Terminator over here. No, that, that, that kid, that kid-friendly element of T2 is one of the reasons I think it became such a blockbuster. Yeah. Movie. I mean, one one did such a good job world-building, and I'm not trying to knock one at all. I love one. In fact, I, I'm always like one or two. I don't know. That's I've got, I've got, SB Daily. It'll change. But 
you know, you have that buddy relationship with the kid, and and you know, when we first saw the movie, we were kids. So which which character do we identify with? This the is kid. one of those few rated R movies that made a toy line that went along with it. I've got a Terminator here right now, oh my but goodness. actually, uh, he 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 his. He pops down. This is a is a grenade launcher. You put a thing in there and you shoot it with his back here. So you could actually like do like and shoot. Anyway, uh, we're playing with Terminator toys here. What my That's the, incredible. the thing that fascinated me when they made rated R movies that uh, that made toy lines that um, that related to kids is most kids weren't allowed to see these. Me and Andy are sort of the exception where our parents knew that we understood that films weren't real and we were able to see more hard things at a younger age and, and we got away with it. But I had a toy. I still have it actually. It's a Terminator 2 playset. And you basically take an exoskeleton and you jam it in this little lab device chamber and you make up this uh, pink putty type stuff and you squeeze it down in there. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah. And it like and it like fills the, the body chamber with skin around yeah. the skeleton and then you can peel it out. It oh kind of goodness. dries and then you can like pull chunks of him off and I like put it. That now. And it was like, I was the only one who enjoyed playing with this because, like, none of my friends were allowed to watch Terminator, you know, when they were nine years old. Like, what is this? Yeah, they were just like, oh, wow, that's, this is weird. It's kind of scary. So, yeah, I would just, like, (laughs) you know, bring it in. I would, like, infiltrate it in the other things we were playing. Like, oh, he's just part of the Ninja Turtles. He's a Ninja Turtle bad guy now, guys. Don't worry about uh, Terminator. He's just, he's just a bad guy in the Ninja Turtles now. Um, but I just think it's fascinating. They did it for Alien, Predator. They did all these Rambo, they, all these toilets. Remember we used to have those Rambo knives? Yeah. You could unscrew the handle. Yes. And it had a little map and it oh had a compass gosh. and like a fake match. I mean, like, we used to all have fake Bowie knives from Rambo. I don't know if I can handle the nostalgia right now. Oh, my God, too much. Too much nostalgia. We'll do one at my house sometime. We'll just talk about toys. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's been a, it's been a, a great talk, man. Um, is there anything you wanted to throw on? Uh, I know... You know, I, I don't want to just list every fact for every movie. I mean, there's plenty of things out there about Terminator we didn't mention. And uh, I, I do want to give a couple of nods to uh, Adam Greenberg, who shot the first two films. And he's a fantastic DP. Oh, yeah. He's done a lot Phenomenal of great, great, great work. Uh, we have um, oh, Conrad Buff as the editor. And he actually went on to edit some. I know he, he did Salvation, and I know people that worked for him. I was working on, like I said, I did electric work on... Uh, Terminator Salvation in New Mexico in 2008. It came out in 2009. It's already been so long. But, uh, so it was, it was, I, I heard his name and I was like, wait a minute. He, he, edited, he edited too. So it's like getting to like interact with these legends that have been with this property and franchise for so long. It's just super exciting. Um, and yeah, Linda Hamilton, uh, Robert Patrick's, everyone is just perfect. And the fact that they have sequences where there's a guy running and there's a, somebody else driving and your mind... Believes that it's happening, and yeah. they just shoot it. And it was before, like they didn't overdo like CG. Like now, you could just CG a guy running, right? Or like roller skating. They like, drew you know. lines all over Robert's face and stuff, and they actually had him walking down the street. They like, it's oh yeah, the, I remember watching that test. Instead of like mocap, they actually drew all over his face and his body and put lines all so over. It was him, like and then had him walk down the street so they could yeah. turn him into this digital character. But I think really uh, one of my favorite things of all time that involves uh, Terminator 2 is uh, the fact that Arnie, he's got such a great sense of humor, in Last Action Hero, they're at the video store, and Terminator 2 in that universe is Stallone. It's Stallone. It's the best. It's such a funny That is so genius. Joke, dude. I was like, whoever like got the right, the, the okay to do that, and like Stallone oh, okay to like. So glad you brought that up. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, that's really the, the things that stem out of it. Uh, Terminator's, you know, like Simpsons have done a lot of fun things. There's just been so much fun parodies uh, that it's been such a fun part of the, 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 can, the, the just the normal entertainment canon for everything for so long that, um, yeah. 
been a treat to be a part of the T2 universe. It really has. It's it's such powerful, powerful stuff, and uh, it's been a real pleasure. And I'm glad you chose this one. It's one of my absolute favorite movies. It's it's my favorite sequel. Um, it's my favorite action movie. It's one of my absolute favorite movies. Period. Um, I, I just think it's it's. You know, I don't, and I don't think it's going to go away. You know, I think it's just picking up steam, if anything. So it's been a real treat to talk about it with you, Ryan. But don't worry, you're going to make another one. What do, what do you say? Let's do it. No, no, no. Oh. What, what's the way? Come on, just say it. Just say it. Just say it, Andy. Say the thing. Say it. I'll be back. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick, some plugs for you. Uh, what's your Instagram handle so everyone can oh, check you out? Oh, at Grassmeyer. Uh, G-R-A-S-S-M-E-Y-E-R. My last name, at Grassmeyer. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have this on the... Uh, the write-up of the episode, but uh, just wanted to make sure we plug and play and uh, check him out on Henry Danger and now Danger uh, Force, our Danger spin-off. Force, the spin-off, which will be coming to Nickelodeon, uh, what, later in the year? Like a month summer? or two, I oh think goodness. they're already going to start airing this thing. Wow, yeah, and if you're not checking out Henry Danger, uh, give, give yourself a, a good time and watch a couple episodes. It's so <laughs> much fun, and check out Stupid Jeff. Alright, man, well, uh, we'll be working together more, you and I, on many things, but it was a real treat to, to have you in the have you in the studio? Bye, my loves! <laughs>